0: Good to be here with you on this Monday. Three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. A lot to get to here on the program. We'll talk some college football. Chris Gordy, locked on SEC podcast, will join us. Obviously, college football grappling with transfer portal NIL. And we'll ask Chris Gordy. He said, look, everybody seemingly is on board with, with NIL. Everybody seemingly uh, doesn't have a huge problem with players being allowed to transfer, but is it out of control, and he said, "Look, I don't even know if I have uh, any solutions to it. But we're going to ask him if he's thought about some, and we'll press the, put his feet to the fire on that uh, as well." So a lot of college football talk, as we mentioned last week with Matt Smithman, we are now closer to the start of college football than we are the end of last season of college football. So a lot to get to uh, there as well. And the Braves, where we'll start today, Ben, uh, just a, coming off a great weekend there against the Brewers, Ronald Acuna. Finally, starts to look like uh, himself, two homers in the series. You get a LeBron James reference with Ronald Acuna for the uh, kind of the uh, emotion after the home run.
1: So, uh, Braves potentially looking up here after they win a series over the weekend. Yeah, the Braves, are, I mean, something we talked about, Kevin. I mean, the Ronald Acuna Jr. effect on the team. Not just that he's there, but, I mean, he boasts the confidence of everybody there. I mean, you talk about the way in which he just... You know, I I always hear like baseball players saying there are certain guys, man, that like, you know, they put so they strike such fear in opposing pitches because he doesn't have weaknesses. I mean, he can, you know, I mean, obviously he can go, he can go yard on you. He's a guy that can run out ground outs. I mean, he doesn't he's the type of guy you don't want to put him on base because then if he gets on base, he can steal. Like, so the thing about Ronald Acuna is this. He has a he has a carefree, aggressive type, type style of play, but it's always good to see him back out there, Kevin with those. Yeah, I'm saying the Georgia power's on. Shout out to Hank Aaron, uh, you know, you know the throwbacks. But I, I just think Kevin, the, the effect he has on the entire organization, that you know, I, I wonder. Like there are times where if you, if you if you if you if you've been blessed enough to play with a player like that. You no, know, for me, it was a Steve McNair. I'm just watching him. Then you go from that to maybe a a Vince Young. Um, You get to see certain guys that you go, dude, I play with this dude every day. And you always hear the notion of I see him do stuff. You know, we just, you know, going through batting practice and make you go crazy. But he can do it all. And the thing is, you know, I always get that he's not the biggest dude. That's the thing. right No, he's not 6'6 or 6'5. I don't even think he's 6 feet tall. But as far as like a little dynamite, I just, I'm just happy to have him back, Kevin. And I, I I credit the training staff. I credit Snit. I credit Anthopolis. Because you know he was probably wanting to come back quicker than he did. But, hey, it's going to be a long season. You see with him being back in line. I mean, two homers. Who knows how many homers he would be, how many homers he would have right now. If he didn't get injured. But, and, Kevin, I know we'll get into it. But, you know, he's gifted, man. He's special. Ronald Cunha Jr. is special. And it's all, he plays baseball like – like he feels as though this may be the only time you ever see him play. It's like somebody goes, right, "What's up with this?" Oh, it's out of there. Like it's almost like don't take long, but happy to have him back. And I just like the effect it's having resonating throughout the whole entire team. But uh, I can't remember who got the uh, I can who, who got the who got like a really really nice uh fly out. They like they like slid to get it. Oh, Travis Tumaret. Yeah, and, and, he came and, and, out and made a great play out there. You know, yeah. uh, listen, got and to me, right. I'm not saying he wouldn't make the play if Acuna is now. I'm not putting all Acuna. But when I got that type of guy out in our field, that type of guy on my team, it, it, you know, I'm like, hey, man, give me some of that juice. You know, I'm going up to him. Now, I don't know what be going. Listen, the the, the Braves duck out. <laughs> it's one of the most interesting places you've ever seen. I don't know what. Oh, yeah, Marcel like, and Ozzie. They're like slapping each other in the face. <laughs> listen, listen, slap each other in the face, giving each other a little kiss on the, on the freaking floor. I'm like, what? Listen, but if it works for them, when people go, what? see Marcel, Acuna, whatever y'all need to do, keep it going.
0: It is odd. You, you got. I saw. I didn't see the video. It's like Marcel and Ozzy are hitting each other in the face, and behind them you have Guillermo Heredia running around with the little swords, you know, waving around like what? Yes. In the, what in the world yes. is going on? But hey, as you said, it keeps the dugout loose. Uh, keeps guys uh going. Hey, I, I'm I'm all for it. But yeah, uh, yeah, man, it's certainly good to get again. Milwaukee, a team that people are talking about being a potential. Playoff team, uh, playoff aspirations down the road. Milwaukee, a team that came in leading the Central Division, so this was a a team that had been playing good baseball. So I, I think a good one to kind of get them going. Now you get the Red Sox uh, coming up on the schedule. That's always a uh, a fun little series, and you're seeing some signs that while Ben, we knew it was going to happen. Matt Olson's cooled off a little bit. Austin Riley's cooled off, hitting 243 though. He continues to you know hit home runs and and, and things of that nature. Going through a little bit of a, uh, a slump is, uh, is Austin Riley. He's hitting 243. I think most people would say, even at 243, Austin Riley's had a very nice season to this point. Uh, could it be better? Sure. But to this point of the season, he had a very nice season. Don't look, but Dansby Swanson is hitting 242. And so it kind of puts it in perspective. I know BJ's big on, like, well, look at the batting. I know that doesn't tell the whole story. But for people that just want to, you know, jump on Dansby and say, look, he stinks. He's not getting it done offensively. Austin Riley's hitting 243. I, I'm not gonna. I, I'll open up the phone phone lines. Nine one two three four two seven one eight four. 7184 somebody will call me and say the Braves should get rid of uh, Austin Riley. Oh no. It ain't gonna happen. Oh no. I'm sure I can get somebody saying it about Dan's, but he's hitting 242.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: he's playing tremendous, tremendous defense. I think he's got one of the highest defensive uh, wins above replacement uh, in all of Major League Baseball. The way he plays. So uh, for what he doesn't give you at times offensively, you're making up for it on the uh, on the defensive side. Of the situation. So Dansby playing well. I think there's some good signs of things going in the right direction. You get Acuna back, Dansby be playing better. Travis Demerrit's been a godsend out there in the outfield playing uh, you know, a, a great defensive outfield, something that Marcelo Zuna does not do, uh, quite frankly. Uh, so it helps you defensively. He's been playing better, uh, offensively. So I, I see this team starting and it really feels like Ben, as you said, sometimes there are things that happen in a season that you point to and say, That's when we finally got it all together. And, and I feel like that last day in New York, it was a back and forth, nothing to nothing ball game. And then all of a sudden, the Braves strung together three or four hits in a row. And all of a sudden, it was you know five, six, nothing. By the time you looked up, and you this is the type of team you thought the Braves could be all season long. And it wasn't because they were sitting there just blasting homers uh, all day long. That was the kind of team you thought they could be that could hammer the baseball around the park and generate runs. And I thought they could build off that. And they did. I mean, they took two
1: of three from a good Milwaukee team and, and now with a day off to rest up and, and get ready for Boston. Yeah, Kevin, I mean, I think the, the, the thing about baseball that, that makes it so much different than any other sport, right, it's ebbs and flows. I mean, it's about, it's about winning series. I mean, it's a lot of games. You're going to, you talk about, Kevin, uh, you talk about Dansby Swanson and what he had to deal with this early in the season, dealing with a slump that we haven't seen. And Dansby Swanson created this expectation for him, him and Austin Riley. Like, when you look at him last year and go along with Izzy and obviously, uh, you know, Freddie Free, the best Braves infield we've ever seen. That's taking nothing away from some of the great Braves teams. The thing about this Braves team is you're always being compared to you in the past. No matter who you are, you cannot get away from it. Any a pitcher is great. Oh, my God, kind of look like Smokes. Kind of look like – there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, man, Snick kind of winning, the... winning his old Bobby Cox. No, he didn't. But I think the thing about this Braves team, now they can compare it to themselves. 2021, you defend the World Champs. So, most teams, Kevin, you know this, in sports will never be defending anything. They're not defending the division. They're not defending the NL or the AL. They're definitely not defending the, World Series, defending the World Series. But I think they're handling it right. I appreciate Snit not sending Dan's Swanson down. So I'm gonna let you play out of it. Because what you said, Kevin, you mean too much to us defensively. And now, if you didn't, because I think when people go, why are you send the guy down? Well, if he's only if he's only dominant on one side of the, you know, offensive or defensively, I could send him down. But if he's dominant and he's just not having his best season right now on one side, I don't take the other one away. So Dansby has shown him, because I think his name has always come up, Kevin, in like a trade. I don't want to see Dansby go now. Dansby to me, I'm like, dude. Just give him a shot. Give him a shot to kind well, I mean, of work out.
0: To, of this to, to me, he's kind of been like a, uh, a an easy target of sorts uh, because he plays a, a high profile position. I won't say he's a, a high profile player, but he plays shortstop. Yeah. I mean that's a, that's a guy that is going to be involved in a lot of plays. He's a very good defensive player. Dansby was the number one overall pick in the draft. Number one overall pick by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Braves got him in a trade. And people say, you were the first player taken in a draft that drafts like 1,500 players. Like, there's 40, 50 rounds in the MLB that, draft. That's, that's and you incredible. were, And you were the number one pick at the top of all that. And people have an expectation on what that means. They see number one overall pick, and you say, well, if you're the number one overall pick, shouldn't you be playing like Fernando Tatis? Shouldn't you be playing, you know, like a Juan Soto? Oh, yeah. Shouldn't you be playing like a Ronald Acuna <laughs> Jr. in that you were the number one overall pick? Yeah. And I'm saying, look. The dude has a lot on his his plate in terms of what the expectations are. He's he's also in his hometown, much like Matt. He's an Atlanta kid, playing shortstop. He kind of is a high profile guy in that his now fiance is on the women's national team, so people kind of know who he is. He has uh you know a little style to the way he plays, and people expect him to hit three hundred and do all that. And I don't know that that's ever going to be his game, but defensively he gives you so much. I I, I kind of tend to look at Dames and he gets off to a slow start and he gets in bad slumps, but look at what Dansby did in the postseason. He has a little bit of that clutch factor. You see why he's got that talent. He may not have it if you look at straight average. I mean, dude was hitting home runs last year with the best of them in that Braves infield. So I think you look at him, and for whatever reason, he's kind of been the guy that's going to draw the most criticism because Ozzy hasn't really drawn a lot of that criticism. Austin Riley has some, but it's been mostly Dansby. Whenever things are going bad, for somebody, it really feels like Dansby's the one that people pile on to say, man, what is he doing? Can we get somebody that can hit better than him? Can we get somebody that can do that? And I feel like, at times, what he gives you in other aspects of the game goes underappreciated. He strikes out a lot. I get it. It's bad. But it's one guy in your lineup doing that, and he tends to kind of come around. He's, and you're starting to see him go through one of those phases where he's starting to play better. So you see, to me, the flashes of that top-end ability, Ben, and uh. I'll be a guy that sticks up for Dansby. Uh, again, is he the leader of the clubhouse? I don't think so. Uh, is he a great player? Yes, I think he is. Is he going to be one of the top ten guys in major? No, that's that's really not who he is. Yeah. But he is a glue piece, a very big glue piece that holds your team together. And I think if you were to just say, oh, we'll just find somebody else. No, I don't. I don't know if it's that easy to find a guy that gives you what he gives you out there in Major League Baseball. Defensively, he's one of the best, if not the best offensively, I think he gets underappreciated for what he does give you. It's not what people expect. So, I think, they're gonna, it, it, to me, it's kind of the equivalent of, trying to put it in perspective, if Aaron Rodgers only threw for, you know, 4,200 yards, you'd be like, man, Rodgers really, like, well, well, yeah. I was like, Well, should he be throwing for 5,000? It's like, well, I mean, he's still putting up numbers. Dansby put up home run numbers. He put up RBI numbers last year. He's probably going to get there before this season is over with some of those numbers. I think he just... He, you got to look at it and say he's not going to hit like A-Rod. He's not going to be one of those guys As, in terms of, you know, 40, 45 homers in, in 100 RBs. Just That's not his game.
1: So I, 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 I'll I stick up for Dansby, Ben. I, that's, that's a guy that I, well, I will, well, I will no, find no, myself. Well, but he's earned it, right? He's earned it because no matter what. Like, listen, I'm not taking it out of the way. I mean, Tatis, I mean, Tatis is a freak. at, at No, stop position. But guess what? Tatis is watching. You know, D- Dansby got what a lot of guys can't say. I'm a World Series champ. So, out of all the, out of all the shortstops, I was the one that was playing in the World Series and I won it. And, and Kevin, you mentioned, I'm not the superstar on my team. Tatis is the superstar of his team, right? Ronald Cooney Jr. is the superstar of our team. But I would we- say this is Dan. And again, somebody correct me if I'm wrong on this. Is Dansby even the third most popular guy on this team? No. No. I mean, I mean when you talk about when you talk about the most popular guys, 1st obviously you're gonna talk about, you know, Ronald Cool Jr. Number two, I would think with most, well most right now, probably gonna be Ozzy. Like Ozzie's, Ozzie's name I's gonna come up. Maybe Austin Riley. And then Matt Olson, because of what because of, because of who he's replacing. But is Dansby, you know, gonna be talk like I think I think it's what it is, Kevin. Certain guys say, I mean, who's gonna take the blunt of the criticism? I think Dan's be go, well, I'm used to it. Like I could deal with it. And it's something to say to be able to say, look, I was the number one dude, the number one overall pick in baseball, that, ladies and gentlemen, is extremely hard to do. Wow. Yeah, and again, I think he's kind of worn that label pretty nicely uh,
0: considering what comes with that kind of stuff. we got more to come here on 3 and Out. We'll talk more about that. We'll talk about the weekend it was. I mean, horse racing, I know all of us become horse racing fans for about two minutes once a year uh, when we have the Kentucky Derby, and this one did not disappoint. We'll talk about that. Also, college football, David Hale. We've talked a lot about NIL, but what does it mean in terms of competitiveness? David Hale had an excellent column along with Andrew Adelson on this about NIL – People care about it, not as much as maybe people think. Uh, you know, transfer portal, people care about it. What people really want is competitiveness. How do you get that in college football? We'll get to that next. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here, 3 and Out, on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're with us here on the show. College football, we are closer to the start than we are the end of last season, so the countdown is on, I believe. We might be getting close to about 110 days, Uh-oh. so uh, we are getting very close to at the 100-day uh, countdown, which everybody really loves to get us uh, spiraling towards the start of the college football season. But obviously, the offseason has been spent talking about NIL, spent talking about Transfer Portal. I know David Hale and uh, Andrew Adelson have a nice uh, column up about that, about uh, you know what college football is and what it's going to become. Do you have a competitive sense of college football? Do you have fan bases that believe his, he said. Look, most most people don't care if players get an NIL deal. Most people reasonably can discuss about the transfer portal and and feel you know how that works. Should it have some rules on it? Yeah, but mostly what a lot of fans want is hope. Hope that they can be the Cincinnati and get a chance. Hope that they can be one of those teams that can get into it. And I think that is why whenever Ben, you talk about playoff expansion, saw Mike Leach talk about this uh, this weekend when it came to the Kentucky Derby. He said, look, that horse was the longest shot in the field. Why did it win? Because it got a chance, right? It got a chance to get in there. In college football, uh, people will say you get a chance, but do you really? Uh, And, again, it is one of the – and people say you have the best college football. I "I don't know if I – I've never really bought that argument because we were like, oh, every week matters. Okay, well, if every week matters, and let's just – again – does every week matter for everybody, or does every week matter for a handful? It matters for a handful, because I'm here to tell you right now. If I'm, if I'm Kentucky, I play in the vaunted SEC. If I lose week one and I'm 0-1, I'm pretty much done at that point, right? Every week matters. Got to All you got to do is win every single game the rest of the way, and you might have a chance. Uh, and, and, again, I look at other teams. You lose two games. You certainly have no chance. Uh, there are teams that go 10-2. I mean, Clemson. I'm not saying they should have been in the national championship picture. They weren't even the best team uh, in their conference last year, uh, according to how it played out. But 10-2, good year. They were never in the discussion, really, after they lost to Georgia. They lost to Georgia. He said, oh, man, that's tough. Maybe they'll rally in the, in the ACC, but people said that really hurt their chances. That was one game. Every week matters. So you could make the argument that one week mattered, and the rest of them you were just playing out of string. And I think, to me, how many fan bases believe, and especially when you, 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 you go in and people say, okay, I'm sitting back as Team X and Texas A&M, who recruits fairly well, all of a sudden just had the best recruiting class ever. They got some kind of absurd amount of five-stars been the uh, absurd amount of number one ranked players at their position uh, in the recruiting class, and a lot of it was wink, wink, nod, nod. NIL money, we didn't do anything, and, and I think people look back and say, okay, how are you going to compete in that environment? Right? Not, hey, we're trying to win and we're, we're, we're doing the thing. And I think part of what's gotten us here is the keeping up with the Joneses in college football where everybody needs a new facility. And uh, if you want to keep and people are like, well, if you get a good coach, just keep him. I'm sorry, but, I mean, if you're at like a uh, a program's good, say a, a, a Coastal Carolina or an App State uh, who, who have been some of these teams uh, who have had outside shots, you're like, well, if you are to improve, just keep your coach. Okay, well, when Nick Saban makes what twelve, and you're getting what nine hundred thousand a mil at Coastal Carolina, which is I'm not saying it's bad money, but that's not an environment you can compete in, right? And so I think most teams start to sit back and look and say, uh, and the kind of the crux of David Hale's uh, thoughts on it was like, hey, most teams just want hope, hope that they actually have a chance, whether they do or not. And I think you can look at it and say, if it comes down to just a plat money game, how much hope? do you really have? And with the SEC adding Oklahoma and Texas, I mean, what, Ben, they paid out, what, over $50 million just off media deals to each school alone? And I think the ACC and the Pac-12 schools got about 20? A school? I mean, that's double the money. That's double the amount of resources you can use. How do you compete in some of those environments? And I think that's, a to me, a big stepping stone for college football because a lot of people then I don't mean to go on a you know, soapbox. I think a lot of people feel like college football is the golden goose. People love it. They have an emotional bond to their school. They love the teams. They root for the team that their dad rooted for, their granddad rooted for, and so on and so forth. And you can never kill the golden goose because people love college football. It's my school against your school and lost against them and and that kind of thing. But how do you maintain that interest if you don't have some kind of competitive balance going on. I know 85 scholarships was meant to do some of that. It obviously has not, right? I mean, because I think you can go back and say, are there the Cincinnati's and stuff that show up? Yeah, but look at UCF. UCF was up and then kind of took a, a big slide step back after some of those recruits in that that run left. I think you might have to repro- uh, approach mid-major college football like you do basketball. I need a team full of juniors and seniors, i.e. transfers and guys of that nature before I can compete. And when they go, we're going to slide back again. And uh, how do you maintain some kind of competitive balance and competitive interest in college football when, uh, you know, a lot of people go out there and say, well, probably don't have a chance because right now it's Alabama and Georgia who are going to win the East and West. The winner's definitely in. If they're sitting there one to, they're definitely in. So that's half of the playoff field gone Right there, and I think certainly with Oklahoma and Texas coming in, there will be a strong case made. Don't think Greg Sankey's not going to do it. Say, we've got 16 teams. 16. I mean, and could there be a day where you're sitting there saying, we have 12 of the top 25 teams, 13 of the top 25 teams in college football? We deserve to. It's a 14 playoff we get to. How do you maintain? And so recruits know this, right? Recruits sit back and say, hey, if people go, why don't you just keep up with the SEC? Okay, well, the SEC gets the most money. The SEC will have the most schools in their conference here in, uh, what, a year or so. Mm -hmm. And they will have, you know, a almost, I won't say a monopoly, but a pretty darn close to a stranglehold on some of the biggest brands, dollars, and so forth in the sport. How do you maintain a competitive balance in that? And this is why, you know, SEC fan goes, well, get better. Well, if you're not, I'm just looking at it from the outside. If you're not a fan, a dyed-in-the-wool fan of the SEC, you sit back and go, well, what are we doing? You know, like, how do you compete with that? I'll throw it to you, Ben. I mean, how, how do you maintain a competitive interest when, you know, 100 day, 100X days out, a lot of folks are saying Georgia, Ohio State, uh, Alabama, Clemson, if not Clemson, maybe Notre Dame, and you're picking the four or five teams that they think can make it. Now, Cincinnati kind of got some love, but there was mm-hmm. a lot of play, people that thought Cincinnati wouldn't make it even up until the last potential week. Uh, of the season. So if they don't get in, what's that playoff look like? So how do you maintain kind of that competitive balance? uh, If you will, because again, I get it. It's capitalism. We've had folks say, Hey, this is just pure capital. I I get it. But the goal of sports is to entertain us. Right. And Mm -hmm. if, and if what we're seeing is so slanted towards one side, is that entertainment, you know, is that, or are we watching the Harlem Globetrotters and the Washington Generals, i.e. it's kind of entertaining, but in the end, we know who's going to win, and that's, that's what it is. Without the, you know, fake water in the face and all that kind of stuff uh, that, that you come up with.
1: It's, you really got to ask yourself, Kevin, what do you mean by competitive balance? Because if you've been watching as of late, right, you get a couple of, you, you get a couple of newcomers to the party uh, every other year. Alabama is like a fixture in this thing. Clemson had a quote-down year with 10 wins. Right, uh, Clemson didn't win. I mean, Georgia finally got over the hump after forty some years. Uh, you know, LSU won in twenty nineteen when they had one of the greatest teams we've ever seen. Texas A and M just had the number one recruiting class. It's gonna, it's gonna come down to this. You got to talk to your boosters. You got to talk to your alumni. You got to ask them, do y'all want to win, right? Do y'all want to win one, or do you care about winning at all? Because there's a difference. Because, because you can win, right? Like, some could argue, right? that Michigan is just as big of a brand as Georgia, right? Georgia just understands we're in the SEC, so we got to do a little bit more just looking good than Michigan does. Michigan beat Ohio State first time in a long time. Right. And people lose their mind. But what helps Michigan? Aiden Hutchinson, right, going number two overall. What really helps Georgia, right? When you talk about the five guys in the first round, you talk about, you know, Javon Walker. I think the thing about these, I think the thing, the reason why people don't really care is Kevin, because people are going, wait a minute, man. Like, Mel Tucker got like $94 million extension and they didn't even win their conference. So I think that when you start thinking about these players, it's, we're not talking about, like, out of the top 300, I couldn't name, I couldn't name 10 of them, right? I, I really, really couldn't. I think what starts happening is Jordan Addison, or oh, maybe people go, oh, look, that's what go. No, no, no. Jordan Addison is still one receiver. Out of all college football, all of it, right? We only know who he is because he won the Blitnick Cup, not because he's Jordan Addison. No, what did he have to do? And so I, I do think when you talking about competitive is look, Cincinnati saying, look, man, for our recruiting, we was we was one of the five, four teams standing. Now we weren't we weren't gonna win it. We weren't going to win it not because we didn't meet the talent threshold. These other teams, they used to this. Man, they running the gauntlet every year. They doing this every year. They in here every year. I think that when you think about these players, Kevin, you're right. It is capitalism. But let's ask ourselves something this. NIL is not that different than the world we live in. How many people are actually benefiting off, you know, their hard work every 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 month? It's hard. When you get to college, everybody is a brand. I get it. Everybody. Division One, Division Two, NIA, we get it. The only player, the only three players I know in HBCU is is Deion Sanders, Sons, and Travis Hunter. That's it. <laughs> like, think about that. That's, those are the only now that those are the only players anybody knows, right? If, if listen, if Shiloh and Shadur last names were Smith, we wouldn't know them. So I think sometimes we got to stop asking ourselves. Listen, everybody doesn't have an NIL deal. I know Bijan. You know Austin Robinson. You know I know he's you know uh, Lamborghini Austin. That's one player, right? I know that uh Spencer Riley got two cars. That's one player. I know that, you know, Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams and CJ Stroud, that go five players. I couldn't tell you what these other guys are getting. So before we lose our minds, just remember, which I know we're gonna get to the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> yeah. You are betting on people Speaking of betting, who yeah. you don't know if you're gonna get a because what is a return of event? Like what like what are you hoping to get? Are you hoping to say, listen, we want to be one of the four teams? Or are we trying to win our conference? Because let's call it what it is. Football in the South, college, don't mean the same as football in the West West Coast. It ain't the same thing. Football in the Northeast don't mean the same as it does down South. So the South has a total different way of looking sure. at, at college athletics in general. Sure. It's like this. Certain parts of the region, wrestling dominates. and don't dominate in the South. Certain parts of the region, hockey dominates. So I do think, Kevin, it really it really comes down to with these fan bases. What have you been watching, right? Because in order to win it, you got to be able to do two things: win your conference and beat Alabama. That's 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 pretty hard for most teams. As <laughs> Georgia, it's hard to do it. Georgia didn't win the conference, and they still got a chance to play them again. So and they had to go undefeated in the regular season to do that. So I, I'm not saying I'm not listen. Number one, let, let let me say this: it's not the end all, be all. It's just new, right? No one likes innovation. Nobody, right? Nobody, okay? Just imagine if you came out with the first TVs. Unless you was able to come to what we're doing now, you are extinct. So I get it because it's new. Oh, my God, it's going to be. No, because people are going to start doing this. As soon as one player gets a million and they don't, and that company, whoever gave it to them, I don't even know how you get a return of investment off a million dollars to a player in college. That That's neither here nor there because that ain't my money. You start asking yourself, Kevin, because there isn't really a market the the, the the people giving the money kind of set the market because there 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 isn't one. So if I am in I am booster X and I want this player, I mean I'm saying okay because once once the universe and whomever gets him, you, they control his time. So I I know it's I know it's so many unwritten rules of what are we doing? But people, it's gonna be fine. Listen, we'll we, we'll see. Speaking of uh, betting, Uh-oh.
0: betting, we'll talk about that because uh, what happened there in Kentucky this weekend was unbelievable. We'll get to that next. Three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here on this Monday. We'll chat with Chris Gordy. Locked on SEC podcast coming up in the final hour of the program. And Ben was talking about, hey, betting on this and that. Hey, speaking of uh, the uh-huh. Kentucky Derby this weekend, uh-huh. how appropriate Mm-mm. that the horse was named Rich Strike. About the best, the only better name would have been Cha-ching. Cha-ching, ching ching 80-1. <laughs> Second... Biggest long shot winner ever uh, in the history of the Kentucky Derby, man. And again, somebody cashed in huge. I think the owners of the horse bought him for thirty grand. Won one point eight million just for him winning the race, and then you know there's all the post race fees that will be uh, rolling in uh, because of uh, the next thoroughbred to generate I mean, from I a mean, uh, oh, striper. But, but, I mean, look, I mean Ben, oh, you watched a video of impressive. I mean, it's like, that's just something you don't see because you think about running a horse or a person or whatever, when you're running in a pack of individuals and all of a sudden there's just an extra gear and you look to be just easily passing everybody. You're like, wait a minute. What is going on? And to have the, the longest of shots in the field win that thing amongst the best three-year-olds in the country... That was unbelievable. I've never seen quite anything like that in the uh, not to say like, like usually if you see an upset, it's like, oh, somebody wins. Yeah. And he jumps out and just takes he, it all. He gave
1: yep. from way back there. Uh-huh. And got the job done. Listen, Kevin, look, you showed it to me on your phone. I said, what? Because at first, I like how you put the context. I want you to see where he is. All right. And then the guy with like, oh, uh, you know, the, oh, you know, they come around, and come around to the, the, he come around to the final stretch. And I'm like, well, they just said they come around, they don't got that but just just keep watching them. <laughs> and this thing just kept moving and moving and moving and moving and moving. And I'm thinking to myself, like, number one, there wasn't a lot of smiles going on <laughs> Churchill Down. You notice that these pictures with, with celebrities and each other just hugging. Because the, the thing about horse racing is that's some old, I, I've seen Seabiscuit, the movie. Like, I've seen it. And they made. Man, some... horse racing expert. Well, I've no, seen no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying. They made every, every time C. Biscuit win, he'd be way in the back. And then he's like, You ready, girl? Like, go, hey, boom. I don't boy, think it quite works. But obviously, you're trying to get, you know, you're trying to get like, yeah. you know, different type of effect. But that's what I saw. Because I said, like, think about this, Kevin. Okay, Kevin, this way, we got to make it real life. You up there, you say, All right, man, I got a couple of dollars. I'm gonna put it on Rich Strike. Why?
0: Cause I wouldn't, cause I'm too cheap. Like no, no. not not because I wouldn't gamble, but it's like I would view that at eighty to one. Like no, I just, on, I'm no, throwing my money. Somebody away. say,
1: "All right, Kevin, we're gonna you know we're gonna sponsor you." All right, so it's really y'all money. All right, I'm, I'm gonna just put you know a thousand on Rich Strike. You know. <laughs> yeah. But in, in your mind, you like and, and listen. And as soon as they go, you know, and they're off, you think, "See, look, look, look." But then all of a sudden. <laughs> You're like, man, I'm going to get me a hot dog or something. He ain't finna do nothing. And then you go, what? It's almost like, listen, wrist right kind of showed you why you shouldn't bet. Like all these people giving out, you know, don't invest, just bet. No, no, no. (laughs) That's not a good way to live your life because (laughs) a lot of people, think about this. The horse that won wasn't leading at any point. Doing the ra- Not only were you not leading, you so far in the back. People's <laughs> like, is yeah, they looking so far back? Hey, afterthought. All i yeah. whoever, listen, whoever that jockey is. Now you're like, yeah, man, that's, that was our strategy, kind of just let yeah. them like, you know, determine the pace and just decide to hit that thing. And he was up against the rail. The next thing you know, I'm just saying, hey, you know, listen. Shout out to the owners of uh, Rich Strike because I know now, uh, Kevin. You know,
0: they struck it rich. <laughs> for, you know, for, I mean, for, I mean, again, <laughs> that, I, that, that's one of those things. That, like, and that's why is. You love sports because you see stuff like that that just makes no sense. I don't think I'd really won a raise what we were talking about with Mike Leach hey the horse hadn't really run anything and then he got a chance to compete and won the uh, the the biggest thing out there. but you know you think about long shots in sports all the time Ben when, and uh, you look you know the u s hockey team beating the Russians, you know a a, a team of pro, basically pros who had been together against college kids, right and they they go and beat the best team in the world who had won you know, X number of Olympics in a row, hadn't really ever been beaten a whole lot, and they go and and beat them. And that, that is one of those things where you go, this doesn't even make sense. Nope. And, and so that's kind of what of it's like. Most of these horses that are in this thing were bought for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. They bought oh, it for yeah. 30 oh, grand.
1: Oh, yeah. Gr- listen, it's gr- But once again. It's 30 80. grand and you turn it to one point and win the biggest race you of the go, year. Listen, once again, you go back to Seabiscuit. What do you say? They look at the first race. They said uh, at least he was cheap, right? They're looking down and then they look up and then he, it's, like, it's like he just take off. The I, I, Horse racing to me is always such a peculiar thing because I, I could be one. I don't know anybody that owns a horse that races them. Like, I don't know nobody. And if I did, like well, I'm pretty sure these horses get pampered, Kevin, oh, yeah. all kind of stuff. Listen, for for one, not it's more than just one, but one main event that the world, you know, touches down on. So here we are, Kentucky, Louisville, let's do it. And you think to yourself, there is no way. Like, I like how they go Rich right. I mean, he has almost no chance to win. And next thing you know, you know, there it is. And, and he wins. And you think to yourself, dude, wait a minute. So all these horses going for half a million, sometimes a million. <laughs> this is the, this is the, you know, the grand, this is the, this the, is great, the, grand, grand, the great, 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 great <laughs> grandchild of, you know, whatever. And here it is, you know, somebody goes, Rich Strike. Right? I mean, what do we got? To lose? We paid thirty. Listen, listen. We paid thirty grand for him. There, are, listen, most of these horses get groomed. It costs more than thirty grand to groom them. <laughs> that's what we got him the whole horse for. And then, but but the thing is, for him to be in a hey, the underdog, hey, you love that. We
0: love. Well, everybody loves uh, underdog stories and long shot stories. I mean, Hollywood's full of them. Uh, you know, in in sports, making those uh, those stories. Uh, what was it? Uh, Invincible. I just why I just forget oh, his name.
1: Uh, uh, Papali. Oh, yeah, Vince Papali. Papali.
0: I mean, that's you know.
1: That stuff doesn't nah, make nah. sense, but it does, But it happens. No, he said he said it like this. He said it like uh, he's. I mean, he sit there, he go in there and say, uh, "Coach, I appreciate you giving me an opportunity." Like this. you just go ahead and hold on to that. I mean, and then he goes to the bar and he goes, uh, "Man, we have like is. had lo- a lo- you know. When one of the locals, Vince, you're <laughs> like He goes, uh, "No, no, oh, oh, he asked his friend to come help him with his car. What, what is it? What is it? Start again." He goes, nah, he gonna like this. And no, not yeah. only do his friend go, are oh, you lying to me? You're buying tonight. Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just made it to you. You're, you yeah, got yeah. more money, me, money to me? money come. But, hey, you do like the underdog story. You yeah. don't want to be on the other side of it. But, hey, man, uh, we'll never, ever forget, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Kevin Rich Strike, hey, he going to live on forever. And, and usually now they never do another race. You know, we're going to find yeah. out Rich Strike was doping and doing something crazy. Hope, I hope that's not the case. But for one night, for one day, Hey, man, Rich Strike let me never, ever count me out, man. You know, the little engine that could got you a lot of cheese. That's right. Rich Stryker,
0: so, the, so the, the most important question for you have to step aside here is if Ben Troop owned a horse, what would
1: the horse's name be? If I owned a horse, what would the, na- what would the name of the horse be? All hell. Just, just call him that. Is that the name, That's the name of the horse? All hell, coming down the- <laughs> No, 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 Perf- no, 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 my, my horse name is Hell No, Hell No, Hell No coming out, Hell No just won that thing, why not, like, that's the, that, that's the word we all say, just go, to, I'm like, think about it, Kevin, then somebody go, no, no, oh, Hell No, Hell No, just won it all, hey, I call Hell
0: No. I think Christian's horse would be No Shoes, No Problem.
1: Oh, No Shoes, no, What would your horse name be? Uh... That's a good one. I, I, I asked you the question. I hadn't really. Uh... Oh, I know. You know here, they, here, they come out of line, come out of line. We got double fudge coming out of line. No, yeah, double yeah. Fudge. yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. That would be triple it. chocolate. Yeah, triple chocolate doesn't exist. That's
1: the name of the triple horse. Triple chocolate doesn't exist. In case Kevin's <laughs> horse name, please tweet at us. Or we the, can just shorthand it to the name. No, give, give us the name of your horse. Be, you know? Yeah, we'll just
0: shorthand it to <laughs> no such thing. That, 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 oh my, that'd no such be the thing. horse. No such thing. No such, no such thing as triple chocolate. And beach has to be? Oh, you ask me, you tell yeah, me. Yeah. There's what? no there's no double vanilla. <laughs> there's, there's no such thing. No such thing. Yeah, yes. Yeah, tweet us at Pigskin Radio. Hit us up on Facebook. Twitter or YouTube? What would the name of your horse be if you had one in the Kentucky Derby, Rich? Oh, that's bad. I just let you. Re- I'll, I'll just wish that somebody. Uh, gave Adam. Adam gave you a name for your horse there on on Facebook. No, my dog. No,
1: no. My, that, that, I'll read it since well, no, you won't. No, no. no, no yeah, it, it it said, yeah, Adam says that uh, being should uh, be wish I was a dog. Uh, wish, no, wish, <laughs> no, no, no. Wish, wish I could vomit. That's what it means. get out here with that nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Adam, not happening. That's, that's, why, that's why my name is Hell No. My, that's why his name is Hell No. Mm-hmm. That's why. They, hell no. Wish I was a dog. Oh no. Owned by Ben owned by, owned <laughs> by Ben True. Love you, Adam, not happening. <laughs> How much would it take more than 30 grand for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's your... it gonna, it gonna take a bunch of 30 grand. <laughs> a bunch of
0: them. <laughs> We got more to come. Here's three and out on this Monday. Christian Gokel said he would name his triple chocolate just to make 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 me mad. Well yeah,
1: I mean think about that. I mean Kevin, I mean it will be great, you know, coming out of the final stretch. We got I mean we coming out of the final stretch. We got hell no. Uh, <laughs> leading by, leading by our nose. oh uh, uh, followed by triple chocolate. No, 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 followed by no such thing, you know, and then triple chocolate. And triple chocolate is a is a beautiful white horse with polka dots. <laughs> and uh and um you know no such no such thing is like it's like a beautiful red horse. And uh white chocolate is an all black horse. He says white chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: Send us your take. Uh, send us your, again. At at Pink Skin Radio on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, send us your comments. If you had a horse in the Kentucky Derby, what would you name? I mean, Rich Strike. I mean, for dudes who put thirty grand into a horse and won one point eight million, appropriately named Rich Strike. Struck it rich. Only other thing it's gonna call is like gold nugget or something. I mean, like, man, I think uh well, Let me hold something. Uh, and again, we were talking about it with uh, with Christians. Like you watch races of all kinds. you just don't see a horse, a person, anything come from that far back uh, to win. So we want to know what your horse's name would be if you happen to own one in the Kentucky Derby. What would you What would you put it out there? Appropriate, of course. Come oh on, yeah, yeah, no, no, I mean, but, I, mean uh, triple, yeah. I mean, Kevin, not triple fudge, not double fudge. Not no, nothing. no. I, I like no such thing because it covers all of my things that uh, you know. My
1: my no such if thing I, if I as, gone, as hell no. It will probably be something like, uh, <laughs> I would probably go like a boneless wings, because that's really not such a thing. <laughs> no, There's no such thing. As, but think about this. That, that's what it would be. Like, like, you yeah. can't name your horse boneless wings. Boneless wings. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. You know, you know why I can't do that? Because it's not a real thing. No, I'm just saying. Like somebody goes, his name is Chicken Nugget. Mine is boneless wings. Or they, yes, they are the same thing. Okay? No, I do think I do think picking out a name for a horse is very very unique. With some of the horses, you've, I mean the names you heard over See, the I years. See, I think whatever. I think if you, if if you were to sit around and
0: think about it for a while, Ben, I think uh, you would probably go with A Town Down.
1: Oh yeah, A Town Down. Yes, I would. You know that uh, would
0: seem uh, like an appropriate Ben Ben horse. Either, a Town either Down.
1: Either a Town Down, or you know what I'm saying? Thorough. I'm gonna have a couple of horses. I'm gonna have Hell No. I'm gonna <laughs> have uh, Bonus Wings. I'm gonna have A Town Down. I'm gonna have Thorough from the Burrow. Uh <laughs> I know, he's, oh, that's thorough from the burrow. Yeah. That's, that's my that's my thoroughbred from the burrow. You that know, you, that, that, is, that actually works. He, that actually That is thorough from the burrow. And then you one know, more. We gotta have, have one more. And then Ke, and, Ke, and, and 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 I got Kevin a horse. Um, his name his his, his name is uh I don't know like uh three seconds uh, uh hold facilitator. <laughs>
0: Great to be back here on 3 and Out, our number two. A lot to get to here on the program. And, again, we're taking your, uh, your tweets, your thoughts, talk some Braves baseball with us, 912-342-7184. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Uh, also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, live video streaming of the show as well. as Again, we'll take your... Your uh, suggestions for if you had a horse in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, appropriately named Rich Strike wins the Derby. What would your horse's name be if you had a horse in there? We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But first, let's take three, Ben, on three and out. All right, Ben, take one. It is about Ronald Acuna. Where, now that Ronald Acuna is back and obviously looks to be on the ascension here with his
1: game. Where do you place Ronald Acuna among today's baseball greats? If he if he was if he wasn't coming off injury, if he was like, you know, he was uh, if he was his normal self, I would put him top five. But because he's coming off injury, I would put him top ten. I think, I think Kevin, the thing about it is, is, I mean, obviously you're gonna have the Tatis of the world, you're gonna have Atani's of the world, you're gonna have the Mike Trout of the world. You you know, you're gonna have you know Vlad Guerrero's of the world. You know. But I think when I think about when I think about a Ron Lacunha Jr., I think one thing: is he worth spending money to go see in person? And the answer is yes. Like the thing about being a superstar in baseball, you can't have any flaws in your game. Mike Trout is arguably, but at the time, I mean, good guy. We talked about him last week, Kevin. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. But what makes Ron Lacunha Jr. to me top ten? He's not gonna walk in the room and be six five, six four like Trout and Tatis, right? He 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 doesn't he's he's a junior, but he's not Vlad Junior. You know I'm living up. You know, you know, the guys that love to hit with no gloves on and hitting bombs. He's not he's not this physical freak like Trout. He's not this you know uh, you know, you know he's not this gifted. Well, he is gifted, but I I think the thing about Ronald Cunha Junior. is Kevin is he ain't even been back that long. Finally, win the series with the Brewers, two home runs, right his his second his second. His, His second year in the the majors, he's trying to do 40-40. Like, what makes him top 10 is, Kevin, he can do anything. Like, most guys, you go, nope, he can do anything. Anything. You almost like somebody goes, hey, man, I mean, how is he in the field? Oh, let somebody try to hit over his head. I mean, he can do it all. And I think what you love about him is, outside of him understanding you don't talk trash about Freddie Free, that's just not (laughs) your image, uh, you know, uh, Ronald, but... I mean, Kevin, he seems to be a great teammate. And I think the thing about, and like you said, the only reason why I feel that Ronald Cunha Jr. is number one is because he can't speak English. Like, because the fans can't resonate with him like they want to. Like, they want to, but you know just like I know. And Ronald Cunha Jr. can speak, like, if he goes from interpreter to I can do interview, oh my God, because now I think about how, you know, I'm pretty sure that his his Twitter feed is in Spanish as well, so he could just interact. With his fans, but he's still top ten. I mean, I'm I'm happy to have him. Loved it. Loved the fact, because like I said, Kevin, I get it from you and the Sid Breams of the world, and the, and, the, and you know and the Bud Ellis things yep. And then ben, ben, they say this dude. I when people all say I've been watching baseball a long time. This kid right here is a good. He can, he can be as good as he want to be. So for me, yes, top ten. Yeah, I I would say, as you said,
0: fully healthy. I would have him in the top five, no question. Uh, of of best players. Out there in the game, I think right now, because of what he's doing and how he's doing, I think Otani would be number one uh, for me because he's a guy doing it in multiple facets of the game at an extremely high level, so I'd put him up there. I think Mike Trout's still in that conversation. Acuna's right there. Uh, He's hurt. Uh, Otherwise, I would put Tatis uh, in there uh, when he's back. Juan Soto's on that list. I think Bryce Harper is still in that conversation uh, out there as well. So I. What What about Mookie? Yeah, Mookie Betts is that. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's funny when like people start doing oh, yeah, these top to five. It's like I, we tell people all the time. It's like, who's your top five? This like you get to five on a lot of
1: lists I mean, cause, real cause, quick because you got listen. I'm sorry. I mean, you all you know, Aaron Judge. We we get it. You know, you gonna have guys. But 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 the, th- but the thing is, right? No, I think he's better than Aaron Judge. Yeah, no, because, got... because the thing about Aaron Judge. I mean, taking nothing away from Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge is known for hitting bombs, and there ain't nothing wrong, and there ain't nothing wrong with that, right? Ronald Acuna Junior. do something in the you know in the, yeah. in, the in the field you go well, did you ju-? and to me Kevin this is what it is as long as you've been seeing baseball you still he, he can still give you a did you see that because the superstars can do something that you heard about or oh, oh man you know it's like he went five for five or something you know like Ron Acuna Junior. man like I said he flexing on us man this dude <laughs> he I mean coming to the stadium his first time back you know uh, wearing a trick or treat. You know, Trey Young, like yeah. he knows. Like, hey, man, he said, I think I he's embracing be. Said, I, think I, I think I can be better than I was before I got injured. I said, I hope you are. That'd that would be something that was
0: certainly amazing if he's able to do that. All right, take two NFL schedule coming up on Thursday. We'll have that uh, release. Obviously, a lot of tough schedules out there. But looking at improvement year one to year two, will Trevor Lawrence in year two be a top 15 quarterback in the National Football League?
1: I, I think he will, and this is why. When I think about Trevor Lawrence, uh, and I say that knowing you, we just said you get to eight, nine, ten yeah, pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, you, you do. But this is the thing: outside of the outside of the top ten quarterback, to me, top tens mean I'm the, I'm a top ten quarterback on the planet. Like, if you NFL quarterback top ten, now there's a huge drop off from ten to eleven, eleven to twelve, twelve to 13. it is because now you start talking. Because Kevin, let's face it: if you top fifteen means, hey man, I'm. I'm not that far from the top ten, but I still got I still got a ways to go. The reason why I say he can is because of the division he's in. He's in the AFC South. Now, Kevin, you just showed me who Atlanta has. I got to see who they playing out of conference. Well, I mean, Matty Ice is in Indy now. You got to still stop that that freight train, notice Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, in Tennessee, and once again, outside of Derek Stingley Jr., I don't know who plays for Houston. Like, I just really don't know who the quarterback is, who the running back is. But I I I think he's a guy too, Kevin. The reason why I say he'd be a top fifteen is because of Doug Peterson. He don't got he dealt with so much nonsense away from football last year, the fact that he could even focus. Have listen, now you still got Trent Balky but you know, they don't talk. You, you but you I think when you got a solid front office, you got a solid head coach, you got Travis Etienne back, you got you know, you talking about the you know, you talking about guys. You know, uh, like Christian Kirk, like Zay Jones, like Marvin Jones. You know, like like Lavisca Chanel, like Evan Ingram. I think he's gonna have a shot to be because re- it's never ever. He he still. I mean, he had a lot of picks last year, but that's because he's forced. Well, every balls. every
0: rookie yeah, does, every rookie
1: yeah. does. But I, I will say, I think he could be top fifteen because I think he wants to show in year two like why they're building this team around him. Because you know, Kevin, there ain't no ain't no more three year learning curve. I'm
0: saying, but top fifteen. Doesn't necessarily mean you're winning a whole bunch of ball yeah. games. I'm not saying they're going to go three wins again, but I'm saying there. Are, a lot of people have thought, and I've said, you know, Matt Ryan was top ten quarterback in the league last couple of years. He was getting hit. He was still putting up numbers. Team wasn't winning a whole lot of ball games. Uh, where do you see Trevor? And I think top fifteen. Because when you say it in your brain, you go, boy, the Jags have been so bad. That means he's a top half of the league quarterback. Yeah, I think he'll be close. Uh, they've given him weapons to try to do it. I think he'll be close. I don't know if I'm ready to commit to say he'll be one of the top half quarterbacks in well, the league. Well, you I think got, he'll well, you be got
1: to think too, right? I mean, think about this. Think about, I mean, look, Justin Fields in year two. Zach Wilson, year two. Mac Jones, you know, year two. Trevor Lawrence, year two. Trey Lance, year two. So they go five quarterbacks right there. That's going to the year two with him, right? That's going to the year two. Two are still trying to figure it out. There go six, right? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, right? Trying to figure it out. That goes seven. Mitchell Trubisky right now, started start quarter for quarterback, there go eight. Marcus Mariota started quarterback. That go not. So when you get to think about it, like, listen, I'm sorry. I mean, I love Kyler Murray, right? He might be. I don't think he's top 15 because at the end of the day, are you helping your team win and get into the playoffs? Now, that AFC West is serious. So you're talking about the Tom Brady. Like, in in the NFC South alone, you got Tom Brady, right? Outside of Tom Brady, you got Jameis Wilson. He's not top 15. Marcus Mariota, he's not top 15. Sam Darnold. Cam Newton, PJ Walker together ain't top fifteen. All <laughs> put them together. So in your division alone, you got one guy that's in the top 15. So I mean, Kirk Cousins, right? So i may put him. I wouldn't put him in the top 15. Carson Wentz, I wouldn't put him in the top 15. So before you start doing the ones who are, look at how many who aren't. It's a lot who aren't. Now Mac Jones had an Incredible rookie year, going into year two. So, Kevin, like I said, it's a lot of new, it's a lot of new, uh, place, new faces, new places. And I, and in the, in in the AFC South alone, right? In the AFC South alone, Ryan Tannehill. People consider him top fifteen. No, right? But he might be the best quarterback in that division. So I think that in his division alone. Better Nobody than Matty Ice. Not better well, I'm than Matty Ice. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Matty, I'm sorry. No. Right Matt, Matt, Matty Ice is top 15.
0: Everybody's playing for two right now at the quarterback spot. Matty
1: Ice is top. I'll give Matty Ice top 15. I, I, I would say he is. No, I'm Kevin. not
0: I'm not saying, I, I, even if you didn't, but Matt Ryan is better than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Period. I mean, that's, Let, 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 me, uh, tell
1: let, me, let me tell you something. <laughs> just, Matt, Matt Ryan is better than Ryan Tannehill, period. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. care what conversation kind of <laughs> we're having. I don't care. Because, think about this, Kevin. I, I'll give you this. I just <laughs> want to make sure you're saying. And, it, right? it If Matty Ice had Derrick Henry, how, how much better do you think Atlanta would be? No, no. If Matty Ice played with Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill played for Atlanta. That's all you need to know, right? Matty Ice is not – Matty Ice with the Colts because he costs too much. <laughs> that, that, that's it. I mean, let's call it – but, yes, I do think that um, – I do think from th- that 10 to 15 range – I mean, that 11 to 15 range is going to be really serious when you, when you start talking about these top-tier quarterbacks. All right, moving on. Take two,
0: or excuse me, that was take two. Take three. Nikola Jokic or Jokic was named the MVP again in the NV- NBA. Ben, do average basketball fans know who that is?
1: No. <laughs> just... No. Like, 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 because You didn't it's... say that because he's a great player, but yeah, yeah I, listen. Listen, I ain't taking nothing away from Jokic. I ain't taking nothing away from him. But no, Kevin. Think about this. I'm gonna say this again. When you think about the NBA, like, when you think about it. Jokic, where would his name even come up? At a certain, like, he back-to-back. He back. I get it. I get it, right? But this is, the, this is why I don't put a lot of clout into the MVP. Uh, you know, uh, Steve Nash. Love Steve Nash. Steve Nash won two uh, regular season MVP, and Kobe Bryant won one. The great Kobe Bryant won one MVP. One. Steve Nash back to Kobe. Nope. Steve Nash was incredible. Dirk better than Kobe? Nope. Dirk, Jokic has more regular season MVPs than Kobe. I mean, I want us. I, I just want us to. <laughs> and I'm not taking nothing. away. Giannis has back to back, right? I just think sometimes. Look, if, if he was the most valuable player, I get it. Boom. I'm not taking nothing away from the man. But when you think NBA, if somebody said Kevin, we're gonna get, we're gonna say your top top flight NBA players is, is Jokic's name coming up? No. You saying LeBron? Uh huh. Uh, Giannis. Okay. Uh. You know, um, CP three, okay, Steph, uh-huh, James Hart, you listen, I mean, I'm sorry, but when we get to think about the NBA, right? The NBA, I, I get the fact that, you know, you got guys that are extremely skilled. But it used to be a time that the MVP was also uh, you know, one of the best, like on the best team. Or one- and I know they in the playoffs or what, what was in the playoffs or what may have you to stand the third, but no, Kevin, I'm I'm sorry, and I and that's taking nothing away. I know if BJ was here, he would say, "Well, his efficiency rate he don't care, <laughs> like like I, his usage rate don't care, like for real, like get into yeah, get into the uh, the, the the deep." I, I'm numbers. sorry, but if you you telling me there's a player on the planet better than Giannis right now? Like I, I you gonna have you gonna have to prove. Well, it's not on, just who's a great player; it's who's the most valuable. Yeah, and I guess saying. if you took took him
0: off of uh off Denver, well we. Forget the Nuggets were even out there.
1: What is that? I mean, the, the and nuggets. I guess that's what it is. I mean, the, the, the Denver Boneless Wings. <laughs> I'm just, if there if there isn't a, if there isn't a sports team with boneless wings, yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk because because right. uh, because I'm tired of this going to the restaurant. Uh, maybe that's one wings? of those no, al- no. maybe that's one of those alternate
0: jerseys you can uh, write him and suggest to say hey instead of the n- so <laughs> the Nuggets just be
1: the boneless wings. and we the Boneless Wings. Why? Cause, Cause Kevin, think about this, Kevin. When we was kids, growing up, you know, we never went to a restaurant. and Somebody said, you asked for wings, they'd be like traditional or non-traditional. Yeah. What, what do you mean non-traditional? What do? You... That's a nugget. And then people like, hey, that's like the chicken nuggets. No, sir. <laughs> yes, it is. But well, it's a nugget with it's sauce nugget. on hey, go, it. He go, why don't y'all have chicken strips on the menu? We don't serve <laughs> chicken strips, sir. Yes, you do. They're non-traditional. <laughs> they're chicken. non-traditional. Listen, have you? If, listen, I've never seen a boneless chicken walk around. <laughs> I'm just said. Next time
0: I go to a restaurant I get chicken. And then says, chicken I like, And if people
1: like, it's non-traditional please. I'm going to get the non-traditional fingers. Yeah, let me get the non-traditional the, uh... chicken strip. <laughs> what? That would be the chicken strips with the bone in. Them. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bone in.
0: <laughs> I want the chicken finger with the uh, you know the actual uh, bone still in it.
1: I want a real bone too. I don't I don't want no vegan Where are bone. the fingers exactly on the chicken I, 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 by the way? Is a non-traditional chicken strip a vegan chicken strip? <laughs> That's what I, I, think it is. I have no idea, and I don't want no vegan nothing. Sorry. <laughs> all right, shout out to the vegans. <laughs> That's take three. We do each and every
0: day here. This time, much more to get to. Chris Gordy going to join us. Locked on SEC podcast coming up. Final hour here on three and out. Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Monday, and Chris Paul did not have a good time at the arena last night or uh, yeah this weekend. He and a fan got into it after the fan, apparently. And I haven't seen, I've not seen video of what happened mm-hmm. to set Chris Paul off. You just see Chris Paul kind of getting around the huddle going. Oh, I got you. I'm, 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 I'm coming out and you see a kid standing there like, uh. And his, I guess it's his mom kind of telling him, hey, we're leaving. <laughs> but this is one of those things where I, I don't understand that with it. Like I get fans pay a lot of money for seats. And, you know, it's expensive to go to a game. But Why are you going to yell at somebody's family? You know, like, I'm not going to go to a Braves game, and if I'm sitting next to Matt Olsen's family, I'll start going, your son stinks, ma'am! You, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm, I'm, like who does this? And it seems like we've seen that uh, more in uh, the last year or so at, at the NBA and NFL level, uh, where, you know, players are leaving the field in the NFL and, and fans, you know, yelling at them. I mean, I guess that's always been a part of it, but it seems like we've seen fans wanting to throw stuff uh, and we've really seen it more at the NBA where fans are really interacting more with the players. And now in this case, Ben, the, the, the wife and the mom of, of Chris Paul. And obviously, uh, again, I haven't seen the video of what happened in the stands, but obviously you don't react like that if it's nothing. Or if you're Chris Paul, you don't come out and say, what's the deal with us getting fined if we yell at the fans, but they do stuff with our family and nothing happens. Like, you don't say that if you think you overreact, right? Like, if you come back in and you go, hey, you know what? Game's over. I've had I've had a few minutes uh, to, you know, call my wife on the phone, text from the mom, everything's fine. Maybe I overreacted a little bit. It was misunderstanding. He didn't say that. So you don't react that way if you feel like nothing's happening. And, uh, and Ben, obviously, this is something that you see fans
1: in a lot of sports obviously thinking, hey, I paid my money. I can mm-hmm. say and do what I want. Chris Paul, it says, listen, I'm looking here, it says, Chris Paul's wife and mother were pushed by Mavericks fan during Game 4 of the report. I'll tell you something, people. As a person that was uh, blessed enough to be able to play major college sports, uh, you know, uh, pro sports, I understand that the fans have a different type of connection to the player. I understand that the plans do pay their money. All right. You know, we pay for our cars on the road. Are we out to just bump a car on each other, just going crazy? No. Well, some can't. people might well, some know, people, some people not. Some people are. I, I, I would say this about Chris Paul, right? I appreciate the fact that Chris Paul was like, Chris Paul saw the guy getting escorted out and said, I'll see you later. Let me tell y'all something. You don't play with nobody's family. You don't play with nobody's wife, nobody's mother, nobody's children, nobody's cousins, aunts, uncles. You don't play with people's family. That fan has lost his mind. I'm going to tell you why. The fan was so enraged that he's pushing Chris Paul's wife and mother. A man is putting his hands on two women. Chris Paul showed way more restraint than me. Because I'm telling y'all, we don't play that. Some of you said, Kevin, Metta World, Peace, Malice in the Palace, it could have got <laughs> ugly. And I would say this about fans, right, as a fan myself. Do I get agitated? Yes. Do I yell and say stuff? Yes. But there is a line. There always is a line. Now, what you say to a person, that, that could be ticky-tacky. I, I, I get that part. Touching me? No. That, that, that All best is off. Like, I mean, Kevin, you've gone to a lot of sporting events. Yeah. Ain't nobody ever, nobody's ever put their hands on you, your missus, and your little ones. Why? Because, well, you, you take it to like, whoa. whoa, whoa. So you're so enraged. You're finna grab something that, uh, 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 uh we don't do that. So I, I just think that the fans, and, and look, look, oh, certain fans, because I, because I don't want to put it on all the fans. Right? All I don't right. want, I don't want the exception to be the rule. I'm not going to do that. But some fans have gotten extremely bold. Like, number one, you got really, really good seats, uh, Mavericks fan, because you sitting here, that go Chris Paul, mom, and wife, and you put your hands on them. Now, yes, security escorted him out, but if I'm Chris Paul, I'm like, look, man, look, I, I, I could escort him out. What I, I could take him to his car. Come on, let's go. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, right, I don't want to create uh, a dangerous environment for my loved ones to enjoy a sporting event. I ain't I'm not sure, with yeah. that. And so I so I do think that the fan listen, that fan lost his mind. And I'm pretty sure that fan don't got to worry about coming to probably any arena for a long time. And sometimes the fans and the players we get into it. I get that part. Cause, cause look, cause I, let, and let me play the devil's advocate. And I'm not, I I'm not excluding this fan, by the way. He he deserves whatever happens to him, his bands, fines. Do we talk trash back to the, to the fans? Yes, I, we do that too, as players, right? But that's healthy banter back and forth. Should you, but though? I, uh, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm yeah, just saying I, that because I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you why. Because I, I, I look at it like this most fans don't think they can get a rise out of you to get you to say anything back.
0: That's my point. It's like if if you don't, that's what they're there to do is get you to address them.
1: But, and, but you but 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 and I, I understand but that I there's a line what, that But can I be think harsh. what happens is this: we have to always remember this. That's a human element to this thing. Oh, like, you're right. Yeah, I want right. I want to look at the end of the day. We naturally talk trash. It's easy to talk trash when you're winning, obviously. But sometimes it's just it's when I say talking trash, we're not getting we're not getting personal. innocent. I don't know you. You don't know me. What may have you? And no matter what, I'm getting paid to play, so you're not hurting my feelings like you think. Look at the scoreboard. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like it's fine. But I've never looked up. <coughs> I've never looked up in the stands and saw my parents. My, lo- I, I couldn't even. I couldn't imagine. Think about this. Chris Paul is in the huddle, trying to get coached. And well, it's right looked, behind you. Yeah, and and he, he looks, looks like it's, And he's, you know, I, and this. Is the, I don't know if Chris Paul saw. It. Just imagine. If Chris Paul looks, he goes, Wait, that's my wife and mom. Like it's it's a it's a crazy place to be in. But some of these fans have, let's cause, they've lost their minds. So to those fans who's who's crazy enough to lose their mind, I mean, hey man, you know, <laughs> don't don't they letting the venue dictate I how they say act. That. I don't, but I, but look, I I am happy that they got him out of there. Yeah. Um it's over with. Uh, you know it's gonna be increased security. Uh sure. And and not just for uh, Chris Paul's mom and wife, but just in those areas. Cause let's face it, Kevin. I mean, we don't know each other. We come together for sporting events. We don't know how everybody. Listen, everybody don't take winning and losing the same. Some of us are belligerent, crazy, out of our mind, fanatic. Like that's a fanatic. What that dude did, sure, but he's lucky. Because like I, I say, at the end well, of the day, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy he got him.
0: I mean, I do think in today's day and age, and he didn't. He didn't. I don't think that was anything like that was going to happen. Like he wasn't going to come on the court. But in today's day and age, I do <laughs> think when you see fans do stuff where you leave your seat, if you come on the floor, of the field, the court, whatever, uh, I mean, it's it's no holds barred, in my opinion. Because, again, in today's days, you don't know what somebody's of course, doing. Of course. When they run out there, they could just that, be that, out there that, for. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody,
1: ain't nobody. I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw, it was some lady, I think she was an Animal Rights. She was sitting yeah, She right... like glued herself to the floor or something? Well, what, well, yeah, that's, it's, it's actually the same lady. I don't know how she got back in the freaking <laughs> arena. But she's actually sitting right behind. Yeah. So you got, you got. You know, you got uh, you got right there on you know right there on the court, and she's right there behind him. But it's like it's some seats between her and it's this guy looking at him. He looks like he you know he works for the and, and what happened is he just, he ain't looking again he's just looking at her, and Kevin she took off because she's she's right there behind you know yeah, uh, behind the bench yeah right behind the bench and she took off around the court and he tackled her. Let me listen, fans fans. Let me tell y'all something, man. Number one, you in a position to have real nice seats, and you tripping. Some of y'all are tripping. And like you say, Kevin, if somebody runs on the court, on the baseball field, on the football field, whatever happens to you, happens to you. Yeah. Because ain't nobody, because ain't no, listen, listen, now, now, there was a little boy one time. He was real little. And Carmelo, when he was, I think, with the Nuggets, he he out there shooting around, and the kid comes up and hugs him. Well, that's different. I don't think I'm about to feel like, oh, it's a little three-year-old running at me. I think that's fine. But a grown man, think about it, a grown man running me, I'm like, I, I can't look at him and so he's fine, that's Randy. He lives my <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not playing around with yeah, that. Yeah, what's so, he doing? So at the end of the day, if you, listen, now the 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 the, the guy that kind of made a, a spectacle of himself when Tampa beat uh, Kansas City in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, you know, he's out there trying to, oh, like weaving this at the third. The football player, like man, I would knock you out, but I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. So you know, not but, wasting hey, man, my precious energy. Fans, keep your hands off of each other. Definitely keep your hands off of other people's uh, wives and uh, As, and children I, and mothers. That that's 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 not gonna get you any cool points.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. We got more to come here. It's three and out. College football. The countdown is on. Who are we looking forward to? We'll get to that next here on three and out. Good to have you along here. Three and out on this. Monday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad to have you along. We'll have Chris Gordy joining us coming up in the final hour of the program as the countdown to college football is on, Ben. And now we've had spring done around college football. We've had some transfer portal stuff, but a lot of that transfer portal activity has already been done and taken care of. The next step will be getting true freshmen on campus. What's the team you are most excited to see once fall practice gets underway here for college football?
1: Definitely want to see, uh, definitely want to see USC, the Trojans, uh, but really both USC's. Uh, definitely want to see what Lincoln Riley got a lot of buzz right now. Kevin coming out of you know, uh, you know, coming out of SC with uh, him and Caleb Williams, and we'll see what happens with the Jordan Addison situation. Spencer Rattler, a guy that's coming from Oklahoma, uh, you know, to USC, uh, the Gamecocks. Like, how how are they gonna look? Uh, you know, going you know going into the fall, with, you know, summer going into the fall and. I know, I know, I know. People hasn't. I know people like clown him a lot because of the, the fake accent and the freaking dancing. But <laughs> I do want to see what Brian Kelly's gonna do with LSU. I think uh, you know we we forget the fact that Brian Kelly was very. He's the he's the most winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Now, never won a national championship. Lou Holtz did, but still got the most wins. And let's face it, Kevin. I mean, just kind of like a like real similar to a Lincoln Riley. Was that a big? Probably, arguably, arguably, the biggest brand in college football is Notre Dame because they're not even though they are in the ACC technically. Right. They they, they kind of do their own thing, you know. So I think that, you know, Lincoln Riley out there at USC, I want to see what they're going to do, him and Caleb Williams. Like I mentioned what happened to Jordan Addison. I want to see what Spencer Riley's going to do, Uh, you know, with the Gamecocks. And like I said, Brian Keller, LSU, because we don't isn't, – isn't LSU one of those teams, Kevin, we really don't know. They can be really good. They could be really bad. We, we really, really don't know. Devastated. Uh, since the 2019 uh, team been devastated either with the transfer portal or guys going to the league. Derek Stingley Jr. was still the third overall pick in this up in this in this recent draft. Uh, I just think that for me, Brian Kelly saying, "Look, this is some of the best talent I've ever seen." Aziz Ojalar, little brother, actually this uh, defensive end for LSU, That guy him slated to be a top pick uh, in the 2023 NFL draft. But USC, both USC's, both on both coasts, you know, you know Columbia. Now, obviously, you know out there, in Pasadena, and then you talk about uh, you talk about Baton Rouge and LSU. A lot of storylines, Kevin. A lot of teams. Obviously, I'm you know I want to see what's going to go on when I, you know maybe at Texas a and I kind of want to. I mean, this, all this now,
0: like to me, I, like to me, know. they're the big they're they're the big one to me. That's that I want to watch because of NIL transfer portal stuff and Jimbo kind of downplaying how big of a deal it was that all of now I want to say all of a sudden because it's disingenuous that he. Jimbo's always been a good recruiter, but literally, you are breaking records. Whenever anybody does things, people are going to open up their eyeballs and say, wait a minute. Now, if Alabama goes from two to one in recruiting, okay. <clears throat> Kirby Smart put together the best class in Georgia history. You would say, okay, but he also has a four year track record of being two, three, four, five, one. You know, in that range, it's not that big of a leap. Then you see a class like Texas A and M, Ben, where you're going. You not only did you have a record class, <coughs> excuse me, you're getting the number one player. Then they get up getting like the number one player at like five or six different positions. Yes, uh, naturally, and you're like, wait a minute, how how and does it that shocking. happen? And you- it, it,
1: it, 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 it was it was shocking because
0: I think Kevin too. It's like you're good, but are you that good? And was other things. Uh, you know, playing it, and how does that affect? So you're going to get these freshmen coming in. How soon do some of those guys play? How good can that team be really? And I think for people who say this is why some of this may take time, it's like, okay, you did that. Most of those guys, some might play, some might play a lot, but you're really going to see year two, year three out from this class how many of these guys are playing um, and getting ready to go to the National Football League. That's when I think you see just because it's not, oh, they have the number one recruiting class. They won the National Championship the next year. That usually doesn't work that way. But I do think that's going to be an interesting test case to say, is there a payoff for Texas A&M to have the number one recruiting class? I would imagine they think it works, obviously. They'll probably do it again. They'll have a number one or number two recruiting class based on who they can go out and throw NIL deals at. And in two, three years from now, if Texas A&M is consensus number one, number two team in the country, I think people would say, well, that's obviously a way to do it and go out there and make sure you have uh, – I, don't, I hate to use this term because it's not fair, but it's the only way to The best team money can buy. Uh, humanly possible there at the, at the collegiate level. So to me, I am very much watching Texas A&M. How many of those guys play right away? How many of those guys play right away? Because as you said, Ben, promises get made to, to people. Mm-hmm. How many of those guys play right away? Because they were told, hey, you come here, we got your NIL deal, and you're going to play. I don't get, a lot of people, hey, you don't get NIL deals for not playing. Right? That's usually how life works, right? I mean, Michael Jordan doesn't become the Jordan brand or the Air Jordan brand or any of that if he's the ninth guy on the bench. That usually isn't how it works. Well, that could be how it works in college football sometimes. So I think that's going to be an interesting, to me, they are the interesting test case study for NIL, transfer portal, and some of that stuff to say does our concerns of people who think it's going to turn into pay for play are they validated by this and say, yeah, they had a significant roster improvement that actually panned out on the field, and it was primarily based on the fact that, you know, they're out here going, ha ha ha, oil money, wink, wink, elbow, elbow, and, and it paid off for them. To me, I they may not be the best team at college football, mm-hmm. but to me, they are the most interesting team at mm-hmm. college football for the next 12, 16 months because of that. How does it, where's the payoff for that? And if they get it, will teams with also deep pockets say, well, daggum, I mean, that that was kind of worth it. You know, to go out there and,
1: and make sure we secure those players uh, in the, under the name of, uh, of NIL. I think, Kevin, you make an interesting point because I do think when you talk about NIL is going to be, it's gonna be uh, a, an experiment that we look at every single day. Every single day. Because you got moves going on. But Texas A&M, they were the number one recruiting class in the country. They're not coming off an SEC West title. They're not coming off a uh, 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 you know an SEC uh, you know SEC championship game uh, appearance. You know they just had the best and like you say, Kevin, they're gonna it's gonna be the big, biggest case study in, in college football because you're thinking, dude, if if I'm one of these boosters that's providing all this you know all this revenue to help get these players, and we end up third in the division, we go back to another bowl game because Kevin, they're gonna be saying, "Well, dude." What, what do you say? Well, you didn't give enough money. No, because Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, USC, the best teams, quote, in the country. I mean, so they didn't give as much money as we did, and they didn't get the money. <laughs> well, that's why I don't country, know if it's as
0: simple as, like, A, B. Like, it's going to be a progression absolutely, to, to absolutely. see if it works. You can't make a judgment Boy, when you're not, but I think you can see how many of these guys are yeah. playing and and where they could potentially wind up here.
1: Jim, Jimbo Fisher, uh, Kevin, set the trend for guaranteed uh, contracts. When he came over from uh, Florida State to Texas a and he signed a 10-year, $75 million fully guaranteed contract. Has signed another contract since then. Um, got the number one recruiting class. And let's call it what it is. Made, made a declaration in 2021, said we're going to kick Alabama's you-know-what. Did that, right? Talking trash after National <laughs> Sign Day. Because people are going to question him. They're going to say, hey, man, because like you said, Kevin, where is this coming from? You ain't just got the AM. You've been here about four or five years now, right? I ain't hurt. Now, you had good recruiting class, not number ones. And you just happened to do it at the NIL. I, I don't believe in coincidences either. Yeah. So I think that adding Brian Kelly, you know, Ed, you know, Jimbo with number one class, Georgia is the defending national champions, Alabama is the defending SEC champions, uh, Arkansas is still trying to be competitive, Florida got a new head coach. Kentucky got a running game and a and a, and a quarterback who's slated to go in the top ten. Uh, you know, South Carolina got Oklahoma for you. Got a lot of storylines, but I do think it's gonna it's gonna rise and set right there. Kevin in College Station with the 12th man, they're gonna want to see dividend because they don't care about freshmen. You no, know, we paid the money. He's the number one. He's the number one. Get him out there. We want the next mile scared, right? And 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 if you, because Kevin, if you are part of that money scheme, whether that be the boosters. <laughs> alumni, right, you're going to be like, hey, man, they said – if somebody said, hey, you give us this, we get that, we do this. All right, we we've give you this, you've gotten that. Now, huh, you better do that other part because, Kevin, it ain't the money. It's what the money gets you. Right. And they ain't getting players. They want wins. They want to beat Alabama. And Kevin what really killed it, they beat Alabama last year without the money. Oh, so if you give us the money, we can really beat them. Well, can we go to Atlanta? What, to go, what do you mean, to play? Uh, We, we, we can see – because, Kevin, the last thing they want is LSU to be number two. or Arkansas. Well, I don't think Arkansas is going to be number two. but I just I, So we, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, right now all is good, Kevin, because everybody is zero, 0 But when the live bullets come, <laughs> we will see what
0: happens. Yeah, again, I, I think, to me, Texas A&M is going to be an interesting team to watch just moving forward, period. Who do you expect the most out of in 2022? Just on the surface say, hey, I expect the most out of this team. I mean, it could be Alabama. It could be Georgia. I don't know. But, I mean, who do you expect the most out of? In 2022, that if they don't get even, more, that is really disappointing.
1: Clemson, because 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 I think what happens is right. Two things have happened this year, Kevin. One, right, Clemson. We're not talk like people not talking about Clemson at all because DJU. Like it's not so much we just talk about SC. We talk about SC and Caleb Williams, USC. We talk about SC in in Columbia and Spencer Rattler, right? We talk about Alabama and Bryce Young. We talk about George and Stetson Bennett. I think we're talking about Clemson. We like we talk about Clemson and they got DJU. Because He a big he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I mean Kevin, once again, big NIL, right? He was all over NIL stuff. Didn't really pan out, right? And that was based on a couple of starts, you know, in 2020 in the absence of Trevor Lawrence, who was who, was, who wasn't hurt. It was because he was, you know, he had COVID. So I think that for me, it's gonna be Clemson because think about this. Clemson is a headliner. That's taking nothing away from you know, uh, Pitt and Wake, and, and you know, in Florida State, and Miami, Georgia Tech, and North Carolina. So nobody talking about Clemson. They ain't talking about Clemson recruiting. They ain't talking about Clemson all season. They say they won ten wins, but they ain't go to Bank of America State. It's like if Clemson ain't competing for ACC. And to me, Kevin, that's what's crazy. That's how important it is to not just win your conference, but go play in the conference championship game. Because people forget; they just completely forget about you. Like we ain't talking. So for me, I think it is Clemson. And obviously, I think I don't. I just really, really don't think people understand how bad Alabama gonna hurt people in 2022. <laughs> it's gonna be bad and loaded up, because huh? they got these two best players on offense and defense. Bryce Young, you know, Will Anderson. They gonna hurt people. I just expect Alabama to be Alabama, you know, Kevin. And uh, I will say this: this could be the first year I think, even though Brent Vittables is a was a great defensive coordinator, I think Oklahoma might could take a step back. It doesn't mean they're not gonna be good, but could Texas? beat Oklahoma this year, and maybe be competing, you know, for that Big 12 crown. We'll see. Yeah. Hey, look, going to be interesting. And, again,
0: Jordan Addison. Yeah. Could he wind up at Alabama? Oh, a lot of people thought that God. the NIL to Southern Cal was all lined up, but he, could he go there? You talked about they got Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech, one of the top running backs. To I mean, they have weapons all over that field. We got more to come here. It's 3 and Out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. We'll chat with Chris Gordy of the Locked on SEC podcast coming up in the final hour of the program. We'll talk to him about uh, NIL uh, tampering. How do you regulate some of that stuff? And how does it have an effect on college football moving forward? So we'll talk to him coming up in the final hour of the program. But Ben did want to give a shout-out to uh, Carter Holton, uh, former Benedictine product, uh, was named SEC freshman of the week uh, for this past week after he went six innings of four-hit baseball, five Ks, no-earned runs against the uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. So congratulations to uh, that young man. Obviously was a part of that BC team that went to the state championship series uh, last year and now having a really tremendous uh, freshman uh, season there for Vanderbilt it was the Sunday starter uh, against Georgia. So uh, you don't usually see freshmen come in and get one of those weekend spots, but, uh, but he has and has pitched really, really well and was named – SEC freshman of the week.
1: No, you, I mean listen, Carter's showing a lot of uh, a lot of grit, Kevin. I mean, you think about the when I mean, we talk about the SEC and how it, ne- it doesn't take uh, any uh uh seasons off. I mean, what Vanderbilt isn't in football or is that in more in baseball? But shout out to shout out to young Carter, you know, Carter holding me, holding it down to me. To be SEC freshman of the week and a daunting of a time of, of a conference as the SEC as a as a freshman shows that he got the goods, he's ready to go out there and uh, show and improve it.
0: Absolutely. So again, we saw that was named uh, today. We wanted to make sure. Uh, we gave him a quick shout-out uh, there for that effort, and uh, Vanderbilt will certainly see more of them uh, in the college baseball tournament uh, when it comes up here in a couple of weeks. And uh, Vanderbilt, I don't know if they're, they're not the not the favorite, but, I mean, the SEC, goodness gracious, they've got a whole bunch of teams uh, that are expected to go out there and compete for that uh, that top shot, but Vanderbilt always going to be uh, in that mix. Braves off tonight, Ben. They get a little, uh, little bit of a rest, and the Red Sox come in, uh, to Atlanta for a two-game series starting tomorrow. Ronald Acuna really starting to look good. Two homers over the weekend. Dansby Swanson starting to play well, and Travis Demerit, uh, who has come up from Triple A, really playing well and kind of solidified himself an outfield uh, outfield gig seemingly every day for the time being.
1: Yeah, and uh, listen, the, the, the Red Sox are always going to be that barometer team, Kevin. No matter what, I mean, they are the. One of the best franchises, definitely one of the biggest franchises—not just in MLB, but in sports. But this Braves team—they seem to be playing with momentum, Kevin. Which I think is—you can't—you can't state momentum enough when you talk about this Braves team. Dansby seem to be getting—you know—finding his stride again. Austin Riley is proving that. Look, man, I'm not just—I'm not just a flash in the pan coming off of MVP season. Ronald Cooney Jr. is—I mean, listen, man—he's—he's the—he's the one that—he's the uh, guest that makes it all go. But I just think this Braves team is playing well as a unit defensively, offensively. But shout out to the—shout out to that man, man. And since he's come up with, from, from Oakland, Kevin, he's been lights out. And like he said, he's really, really enjoying playing for his hometown Braves. Nobody's mentioned it. Don't mention him in the same in, in the same sentence as that other guy. I'm not even going to mention yeah. his name now because we're in the season. But shout out to them Braves. Got a big one coming up with them, with them Reds. Yeah, I think
0: he's been everything you could hope for in, in the transition uh there at first base. And we've said that enough. And it probably gets underplayed, as you said, because uh everybody is still on the, hey, you know, Freddie Freeman, you walk on uh, eggshells with how he was revered. Uh, I guess in that clubhouse, but uh, look, Matt Olson, hometown. Anytime you play for your hometown team, uh, Ben, there's there's pressure to go out and do well because every night there's people who know you. When I say there's people who know you, there's people that know you that that grew up with you, saw yes. you in the beginning, and they want you to do well. When you know you're a Georgia guy playing in Oakland, you know there may be people there that know you, but they're not the people that are like, "Hey, this is where I'm from. I watched. I'm, I'm where. I mean, there's something about that in sports where you're like I'm putting on the jersey of the team." I watched growing up, and now I'm one of those guys. It has to be like a surreal moment uh, for a lot of sports. I mean, I'm sure, Ben, it would have been a surreal moment if you got to the NFL and you put on the Titans jersey and you said back. I'm sure that's a feeling yeah, that, that I it can't is. even imagine. I can only imagine what that would have been if it was Ben Troop 84 and it's hanging in there and it says Atlanta Falcons on it and you're going, wait a minute. So I grew up watching, you know, all these Falcons players wear this thing and now this is me. It has to be a uh, surreal feeling. I think he's handled it really, really well. We'll come back. Final hour of 3 and Out. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. Final hour of 3 and Out on this Monday. Glad you are with us. Chris Gordy, locked on the SEC podcast, will join us. We'll talk some Braves baseball later this hour as well. But uh, Chris Gordy going to join us in about 20 minutes. Ben, we'll talk about, you know, NIL. He made an interesting uh, point uh, on Twitter and on his show, saying, look, I think most people agree with players getting something. I think most people are not trying to limit that, but also uh, people are looking back and saying, hey, this could get out of control. This could have tampering implications. We want to make it be on the, uh, uh, you know, up and up as, as much as we can. But at the same time, he's like, I don't, I don't really know, and I think uh, what the solutions are. And I think that's where a lot of people are, where they're like, hey, this could be a problem, It appears that there are the things you would worry about happening, but nobody's stepping up to say what the rules will be. The NCAA kind of put out some stuff that, hey, we're going to try to enforce this, maybe even retroactively to keep boosters out, but what do you do? And we'll talk to him about that, and I think uh, kind of following up on the Texas A&M stuff we were talking about, Ben, how closely do you watch transfer portal, name image likeness, to see how it affects college football, both on the field and off the field? Um, You know, I think, from a a playing standpoint, again, who knows? A lot of people say, "Hey, the why do we see guys leave college early? Like well, I can get hurt. I want to go to the NFL, make my make my money, uh, you know, start my career as it were, and make my money." Now we've heard potential talk of guys saying, "Look, could I make more in college than even bother me to go to the National Football League?" And could we see guys say, "Well, if I get hurt and I don't play, does that affect what I'm able what I'm able to do?" Uh, as far as, uh, as that's concerned, and how does that change uh, the way college football is done? Or is it simply, hey, big schools are going to big school, small schools are going to do what they can to try to keep up, and the competition gap maybe gets even wider? How, how closely do you pay attention to what happens off the field and how it affects potentially what we
1: see happen on the field? I, I, think, I, I definitely think you, uh, you take a close look, but you also got to put it into context. You always got to ask yourself, when you hear the word NIL, the, the, the perception of it is that everybody's getting NIL deals. That couldn't be farther from the truth. That's just like, it's real similar to the transfer portal, Kevin. A lot of, a lot of players go in, they never come out. Those percentages are pretty, uh, you know, are not, are not in favor of the player. So I do think you look at it. Look, is there uncertainty? Yes, there's there uncertainty with anything that's new. There's uncertainty with anything that's innovative. There's uncertainty with anything that goes against the grain of what, we, what we've what we grown and know to love. It's not going to kill college athletics. I don't believe it's going to do that because it's not wide. See, people hear NIL and think, oh, all of them get de-. No, no, no. As a person who is blessed enough to be able to work with the NIL uh, platform, games Collective down there in Florida, I can tell you that I do not know the ins and outs. I don't know what Eddie and those guys do as far as like Eddie and Jen and them to help those players uh, get deals. But every time I see the players, they're smiling. And I ain't seen – the only one I've seen with a car deal is AR-15. But everybody else go. well, he's a quarterback. It's cool. I'm getting something. It's like I think what happens is, Kevin, in these things is this. How competitive were you before NIL? Because that's going to be a barometer of how competitive you're going to be with it. Now, Texas and is saying, hey, man, uh, we got some big-time, big-time alumni. And they was able to benefit off it. Well, they was a bit able to benefit off it as far as like a recruiting class. Because, you know, Kevin, okay – all I remember was this: when I saw the recruiting rankings, Texas and m was number one. That you, and they say in order to compete for national championships and SEC championships, you need to be top top five in recruiting. Well, we're number one. Should you still look at it closely? Yes, but look at it look at it as a collective and not individual. Don't look at Jordan Addison. Don't look at uh, you know Arch Manning when he comes. That's these are these are a handful of people, and what do they have in common? Arch Manning is a Manning. Jordan Addison is a Blitnickoff. When the Caleb Williams is going to be a top pick, CJ Stroud is going to be a top pick, All right? I think what happens with this NIL stuff, Kevin, is it's I don't want to do the whole oh the, it's the boogeyman coming. It's fine because everything when it, everything is new, it's a wave of stuff. It like a wave sure. comes at you when it's new. But then after we kind of see what it is, but I think people at least understand those. I of think course, the one, the, one the, the ones that I think
0: people look at and say, is this what it was intended to do where you see, hey, Texas offensive lineman, if you come here, you will get 50 grand. Well, who are you? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you signed here, mm-hmm. we got you. I think that's the kind of stuff that people go, well, is that is that working on somebody's name? It was like, or is that anybody's name? I.e., it doesn't matter if Ben Troop comes or Kevin Thomas comes. I'm going to get 50 grand. We don't really care what your name, image, likeness is. We just care that, that you're here, right? I mean, Is that what it was? That sounds like we are paying you to play, which is what people have, uh, I think, ultimate issues with. And I'm not saying that that is, you know, every single NIL deal that's out there, but we've seen that where there are certain setups where, you know, I think Miami people have said, oh, the new rules are going to be the Miami rules where, well, I mean, you had a booster who set up a company and said, we are going to pay these athletes this much money. And it wasn't $100. And they were going to pay them money to, I guess talk about a company that was new, but also said the mission of said company was to retain and keep the best players possible at Miami. Is that name image likeness or is that recruiting? I mean, you see what I'm saying? So I think that is where people have kind of looked at this thing and said, hey, we don't mind the players getting something. But what we do mind is, are we just simply giving out cash? And if we're just giving out cash, how do you maintain a competitive balance when you talk about school to school to school? Obviously, schools have rich alumni, some more than others. Mm-hmm. Some that care way more about football mm-hmm. uh, than others. So, is it now ye? W- I mean, and people would say, "Yep, that's potential capitalism." But is it is that what we want sports competition to be? Is ye with the most money is who's going to win? Uh, I think when we look at entertainment. That's not how we want to view our entertainment. I think when we look at business and life, and we, want, we view sports as a competition, but I think we largely been view sports as it's my guy yep. versus your guy, yep. and that's how it's going to be, and we're working in the same kind of parameters, right? Hey, when we have a boxing match, it's, there's a reason Kevin doesn't fight Ben. That's because Ben weighs more than Kevin. That's because Ben is bigger than Kevin. Kevin wants to fight a guy his size mm-hmm. who is working out, not using steroids, much like he doesn't want me to use steroids, and we want it to be an up-and-up fight. That's what we want sports entertainment to be, and I think we don't necessarily want it as college football fans to turn into, well, Alabama's got the most money, and then Georgia's got the – so they're just going to be there because they'll go out and get who they need to get. I I think that's the concern. I'm not saying it's – Yeah. I think that is the concern of people who look at this thing and say, how is Team X over here under the guise of – and I know this went out – a long time ago, under the guise of "Hey, collegiate athletics," we're all striving to go represent our school and do this and that, how are we going to compete against that? There's no, there's no way. Uh, there's there's we don't have as much money. We don't have a way to get as much money, and, and and this that and the other. And I think that is sort of like, I think that's where you end up with a fracture in college athletics, where you simply look at it and say we're going to have to do our own thing because we simply can't compete anymore. In the in the dollar for dollar landscape that's been created in, in college football, yeah, you, just, I, I, you, yeah no, you
1: no, that that that's a great point. I mean, weight classes is kind of a really really good point when you think about the fact that look, I mean, Texas A&M got everybody thinking, okay, <clears throat> we could just pay our way in. Yes or no? Because it depends on what you're paying for. Like, what are you paying for? Are you paying for the perception battle? Okay, you won that. Are you paying to get some wins? You might win that. But are you trying to win it all? because it goes back to what But we technically did. you're not supposed to be paying for any of it. Exactly. I mean that's that, 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 I, right, I mean right that's like, like that's like okay this this is the thing too right it's like this. We've all played certain card games growing up, right? A lot of different ones. Sure. Every last every last card game starts with a box. Cards in a box they got the, and they got directions in there. We don't read them because I know how to play this. You ever play the card game? You ever playing spades? Somebody with somebody, you might do, you might do joke Joker, joke. You might do dudes as wild, but people play differently. Well, if I do dudes as wild and you do, you do a big joke or little joke, I'm going go, whoa, whoa! It's like <laughs> it's like the rules have not been defined. Now we know what the game is, but the rules have to be defined. And right now, people ain't coloring inside the lines, outside lines. They're doing whatever they want. They throwing paint and all kind of stuff. I just think that you're gonna have to get control over just so, just so we know what we're looking at because. Texan, I mean, I mean, Jimbo Fisher is mad because what they did work. Like Jimbo, like, do we gonna be y'all? We the number one class. The number, the number. I one think over. for most fans, like I said, most fans look at the game
0: of football and they love it because most Saturdays. And again, you could say people are naive, but most Saturdays they go out there and say, "Hey, we have a chance to win today. We have a chance. Uh, yeah. Certain games you may yeah. say, okay, they're a better team, but if we do marginally better, we might have a chance to to get that." I I, I would I look at that and say, "Hey, the the Tennessees the Kentucky's the world we look at and say, hey, if we have if we can do marginally better, that will help us in recruiting. And over time, we can close that gap and, and get back to winning. Now, I think if you look at, at certain schools say, look, we can recruit better, we might even be able to coach a little bit better. But if every shot we have at getting that program altering athlete goes down to two because we just simply can't offer him fifty grand in an NIL deal or whatever it ends up being, I think then people will look at it and go, well, how how are you supposed to compete? in that environment, and how does it, like I said, how does that affect what we see on the field? Um, do we see, like I said, do we see guys who say, you know, I I, I really don't want to play more. Do you start, I mean, again, do you start being a part of a team where you see guys go, look, I really don't want to play more than this. I got a big NIL endorsement, uh, and if, you know, I don't play, uh, you know, potentially it hurts me for next year and the year after that. Could you see play? I mean, people sit out now based on a NFL combine coming up. Months after the season, because they right because they say, "Look, I have millions of dollars. Well, what if you have a, um, you know, millions of dollars? What if you're a basketball guy? So, look, I have millions of dollars riding on uh, me playing. I don't want to play 40 minutes a night college basketball. I don't want to play 30. You know, you see know what I'm saying? Um, I I I don't think we're going to get to that like immediately. But do you get to that point where it is basically? um Pro football. I know we've had comments saying, look, if, if we want it to be pro, just treat it like pro. And I don't I think most people don't want it to be that because there is that yeah. then rightly or wrongly, people have a perception about collegiate athletics where it's something more than just the money and that's it. Right? Mm-hmm. Where in the NFL it's like, yeah, I want the ring, but mostly it's about give me the contract, guarantee as much of it as you can, and I'm gonna try my best for you. That's basically the agreement we've entered into with pro sports is I want paid, I want money, and I'm gonna try as hard as I can once we agree on that. To, uh, to earn that for you. Collegiate sports, there is still a little bit of these guys are out there. Most of them aren't going to go pro. If they get a few dollars, fine. But I don't think most people looked at it and said, are there 100 guys? Like, I love this school. I don't know if I could name if you gave me a blank piece of paper and said write down the 85 scholarship, guys, if I could do it. Are, and they're all going to get 30, 40 grand, which some people may be saying, I just graduated from here and my starting salary is 40 grand. Like, you know, that, that's what, and I don't even know who that guy is. Uh, so, I, I don't know if, again, that may be hyperbole on my part. I may be overstating it, but I do think that's the concern. People have because there is a kind of fascination, fantasy, you know, uh, relationship with college athletics and fans and people who follow their schools of like, oh, man, everybody out there is rah-rah, ba. we We're doing it. We're doing it for the Gators, right, man? That's what, that's, what, that's, that's mm-hmm. the kind of what, mm-hmm. like, nobody says that about the Falcons. Nobody looks at the Falcons and goes, Matt Ryan, man. How, do you ever hear this about, man, Matt Ryan just, man, he loves the Falcons and he wants the Falcons to die. He may like being in Atlanta, but nobody ever says, like, man, Aaron Rodgers, man, that guy bleeds green and gold. No, he bleeds green, pack Packer green. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know what? But Kyle just like, man, he loves being a Georgia Bulldog. And I think people are worried about that. Go, I don't, if you want to call it fairy tale, whatever. Kind of being blurred and going away, and it's just minor league football at that point. Robert, I mean, I, 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 we're college football and college athletics. It's, it's not minor leagues. It's something a little different. If if, 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 if I'm, I'm probably having a hard time saying it, but you kind of follow yeah. what I'm saying there. Like
1: like like uh, like semi pro.
0: Like people have it in their minds, like yeah. everybody's out here. We're doing it for Auburn. Yeah. We're out here getting it done. They're war-eagling it up. And now it's like, is it just becoming highest bidder for certain guys? Am I out here recruiting? Is my best guy coming in? If I'm Boston College, I finally got me a big-time quarterback. He's here for a year. Somebody threw back channels. Not supposed to be happening. It's like, hey, man, you play pretty good. But, you know, if you came to South Beach, we could hook you up with, you know, 80 grand and ILD. You can still play. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm out. How do you hold teams together and things? I I think those are some of the concerns that people have going forward. And, uh, again, whether it's fear-based, whether it's a potential reality, who knows? I think that's why I'm interested to see what happens. I think the product right now is still very good. I think when you – because people thought the world was ending when people said, I'm not playing the bowl game. Mm -hmm. They're like, what do you mean you're not playing the bowl game? Like, you're my favorite college player. They're like, nope, don't care. I don't care about that. I care about who's going to draft me in three months. People thought that was going to be. And, but I do think it's a little different if it becomes everybody on the team is now, like, more concerned about themselves, potentially, potentially, than they are the good old college. And again, that's I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm telling you people have that kind of built up in their mind that that's how we view college sports. It's like, and we're all here, we're all wearing our, our blue and orange or we're all wearing our orange and white or our red and black or whatever, and we're all out here because we love it. And now my starting quarterbacks think about leaving because he's gonna go over here and get paid more. It's like, what is that?
1: I think that's how a lot of people see it. And, and they're right, and they're right to see it that way. I think I think too often the times when it comes to uh, uh, college athletics, we have this this fantasized way of looking at it. This, sure, this, 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 of course. And and, and and there's nothing wrong with that. A romanticized way of at exactly. it. Absolutely. A- a- absolutely. But think about this, Kevin. Coach is going to the highest bidder. Sure. Right. Assistant coach is going to the highest bidder. And and that's fine. And they, there's a lot of schools that don't like that either, and, where they're and, like, hey, how do we keep a coach? Exactly, because, because the whole thing – this it's the thing, right, Kevin? Just know this. Coaches didn't know that they would be in a position to be able to dictate their own money like, I want to get $10, million, $11 million a year. Players didn't know they would ever get to a point where they would be here. So the players are saying, listen, let us, let us take advantage of this. Because the same way this is here, it might go away. Who knows what, what's going to happen down the line. But – let it let this thing play out first. Let us see and sure. let's not judge the rule on the exception. Like, like NIL deals are when, uh, you know, I think some company went and gave every last player, every last uh, they paid for every uh non scholarship athlete on the football team to get scholarship. That was the NIL deal. So it's a lot more NIL and NIL. Let's face it, man, it's, it's a year and a half old. Give it give us some chance to because you know, Kevin, three four years from now, oh, we gonna know what the market is, like we're gonna know how it looks. Because right now, we can't really tell you what is really going on because we don't know what's going on. But once we get a better grasp of it, listen, college football or college athletics is going to be fine. I don't <laughs> think it's going to be the end all. Like I said, I graduated high school in 2000, and the world's supposed to come to an end then. I remember winning back. Oh, this is it. Why 2 k Oh, my over. God. So let, let us, let, let it, listen, it's going to be fine. Let it play out and we'll see what happens. We'll talk to Chris Cordy
0: about that Locked on SEC podcast when we come back. Good to have you back here three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad that you are with us here on this Monday. Of course, college football, we are thankfully closer to the start of college football than we are the end of last season. And, of course, this has been an off season of what do we think about the transfer portal? What do we think about the NIL? Our next guest, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, has some thoughts on that as well. Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast joins us. Chris, welcome. How are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, appreciate you coming on. I wanted to start by just you know talking about a tweet you had uh, a couple of days ago where you're talking about NIL. You said, look, no problem with kids getting paid, which I think a lot of people agree with. Shouldn't be a cap on how much kids can make, which I think if you're dealing in a fair market, sure. Get what you're worth. No no, no worries about that. NIL was intended for name, image, likeness. Of course it was. We're currently in pay-for-play, which is not what NIL was intended to be, which I think a lot of people were concerned for. And then you said, I don't really know how you fix it, which – Judging by really what the NCAA has done, I don't think they do either. Uh, so, where are we at with this thing? How do, how do you kind of feel about Are you waiting to see if it has an effect on, on the field? Like, where are you at right now with how this has been playing out?
2: Well, I, I'm just I'm nervous for the future of college. Um, yeah, this has been a long time coming. You know, for, for decades, it's been, well, the kids are getting a scholarship and their books paid for. Isn't that enough? Well, yeah, it was in like the 50s. And now it's become a billion dollar sport. And, you know, you got all the, the, the higher ups who are all the ones pocketing the money. And at the end of the day, you know, it's the kids who were the, the entertainers. And so, yeah, I thought NIL was the, was the right step in the right direction to let kids profit off their name, image, and likeness. And particularly just to name a few, you know, Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, like, uh, you know, Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. Like, these are guys who took the college football world and specifically the SEC by storm. And they were guys that definitely could have profited off of selling T-shirts. In fact, when I was at – or, you know, right after I graduated from LSU, uh, Tyron Matthew was trying to sell T-shirts with the Honey Badger on it with the number seven on the back. And it wasn't his name, but it was the number seven. They said, oh, you can't do that. That's, you know, That looks like an LSU jersey, and you can't do that. LSU owns the rest of that, and it's like – come on man like that's that's just silly same thing with manzel like they were selling number two t-shirts and jerseys in the a&m bookstore but johnny manzel didn't get a dime of that so yeah like those are the ones where it's like come on like change the rule make these let these kids get some money in their pockets. the other part is advertising like you know for decades we heard about you know there was a, a clothing dealer in, in in tuscaloosa that wanted to have players come and try on suits and sign autographs. And for years, that was not a rule. Or, you know, the, it was a rule that they couldn't do that. So, like, from that aspect, those are all good, tame things that, like, are reasonable, and that's what's protected by name, image, and likeness. What this has evolved into, guys, is, as you know, it's the big-time boosters at a lot of these big-time schools, and you know, I'll single out Texas A&M. They were smart. They got ahead of this from the get-go, and, and you know, that is a hungry fan base, over at College Station, they have not experienced success uh, on the field since they've been in the SEC, at least like they haven't even won the SEC West Mm -hmm. in the decade they've been in the conference. So, they're hungry for a title. They're hungry for a championship, and so there's a lot of oil and gas people that have a lot of money. They're diehard Aggies, and they want to put money back into the program, and that's great, Uh, but they found a way through these collectives to funnel that money to recruits. And, you know, under the letter of the law, they're not doing anything wrong. It just... When I first heard it, I'm like, man, this kind of rubs me the wrong way, because name, image, and likeness is for you to profit off of the name, image, and likeness you've created, not mysterious five-star who none of the fans even know yet, and you're paying this kid, and it's like... You know, it's like paying somebody before they've earned it. And so, again, it's it's an interesting dynamic because you know, it, it is not the school paying the kids, it's the... Booster groups—it's the collectives that these that have come together and diehard fan bases that want to funnel their money to to pay the kids. And again, at the end of the day, like I want to keep saying, I have no problem with the kids getting the money. Like I think they should. It, this has been a long time coming, but it does feel weird because it just feels like if if we stay on this track we're on now, guys, the rich are going to continue to get richer. The SEC is going to be just fine, but smaller schools are really going to. But so that four-star recruit that lives in the hometown that might have come there, well, he just got a fat check to go to, you know, never, never been to College Station before, but Texas A&M, the, the paycheck was right, so he's going to play at A&M. And I just wonder what this is, what's going to happen with the smaller schools across college football.
1: And Chris, to that, I mean, to that end, I mean, when you think about the fact that naming and like likeness, as you mentioned, I mean, some of these players have already gotten it. You talk about the Johnny Manzells, you talk about what Reggie Bush or Vince Young or Darren McFadden and guys like that could have gotten. But I think too often when I hear about NIL, I only hear the money part. I, I, I look at it from a standpoint of a coach. A coach gets his contract, but he or she they also get, you know, car deals. They get they get like cell phone deals. They get other things they benefit from being the head coaches at, at school, at school. Why? When you talking about smaller schools, it might or, or schools in general, it don't always got to be compensation through monetary reasons. It could be something else: free cell phones, free like laptops. I think that the thing about NIL is they're not being creative enough because listen, you talking about people with deep pockets? They always gonna have. They pick it a little. They was doing it before NIL. They was deciding the type of people that was going to certain schools. I just think that the creativity that needs to be put into place when it come to NIL hasn't been tapped into yet.
2: It's a great point, and you know, we've seen this at least a little bit, like you know, think what you want about barstool sports, but Dave Portnoy jumped on this and threw out there and said, hey, email me if you want to be a barstool athlete, and he got a bunch of emails from people, and from what I understand, a lot of those kids, they didn't get paid, but they sent them just a bunch of free barstool clothing, and like, hey man, you want free, here's a free shirt, here's a free sweatshirt, like, you know, you're a quote-unquote barstool athlete, they're not paying them, but they're just hooking them up with free merch, and I think that's another part of this. Um, you know, but again, the, the NIL part, like, there, there's got to be something in return. Like, I, you know, I've heard a couple instances of businesses want to, you know, they, they want to sign a kid to an NIL deal and they write them a check, but then there's nothing on the back end. There's got to be something for services rendered, right? Like, you know, if I'm a big-time furniture dealer in, in Columbia, South Carolina, and I want to sign Spencer Rattler to a deal and I give him a check for $500,000, man, at least do an Instagram post. Like, do something where it justifies services rendered. And right now, like, it seems like there's not even really a watchdog group following up on these deals to find out that services were rendered. Um, You know, but but it's not just the big dogs either. Like, my wife went to Kentucky, and, you know, I heard there was a deal a few months ago. um, You know, I think it was the local Kroger in in Lexington. Wanted to have the entire gymnastics team out to sign autographs for, you know, little girls that You know, are fans of gymnastics. I think they paid them like a hundred bucks apiece or whatever. It's not, it's not earth shattering, but like that's awesome that the gymnastics team can can make a little money off of doing that, whereas before they couldn't. So it's not just the big dogs. I mean, that's that's the bulk of this. That's where the problem is uh, in buying the recruits. And um, you know, but again, like the current athletes, I have no problem with it. And honestly, the transfer portal, everybody's talking about the kid from Pitt, and oh, he's going to go to the highest bidder. I kind of don't have a problem with that one either, it, you know, because, again, he's created his name for himself. So he's getting paid for his name, image, and likeness to go somewhere. So, um, you know, there, there's so many loopholes and issues going on right now. To me, the bigger problem is on the recruiting front, where we're going after kids and giving them a big payday who have never stepped foot on a college football field before, and even some kids who may not even have stepped on that campus and committed to go play football there. I just – It rubs me the wrong way because I wonder, is that what is in the best interest of the kid? And people may say on the other side, who cares about the best interest of the kid? He got paid. It doesn't matter if it's going to work out for him on the football field. He got his $200,000. And I get that point. But, again, is that the best answer long term?
0: Chris Gordy, Locked on SEC Podcast. Joining us, Chris, and Ben and I talked about this where, uh, you know, as you said, you don't know what some of these deals are. and, And certainly as. We know deals to be around you know, professional sports, seeing a guy like DJU, preseason Heisman Trophy candidate, got a big uh, early endorsement deal uh, with what, Dr. Pepper to be kind of like the face of the college football USA and all that, and did not have a great year. A couple of guys got big deals, ended up not playing and transferring. Like, normally those deals, you go, that was a bad investment, and and and, and maybe you don't give those out uh, as frequently, and, and who knows what will happen there, but... What do you, how do you feel about how this thing is involved where the NCAA and you see state legislators get involved? And they're like, well, you know, instead of agencies, why don't we just have the school be able to broker deals for student-athletes? They're like, how do you think about that where now you've brought the school directly involved with uh, with potential deals? And as Ben up, how long before they look at that and say, well, we basically were your agent. We get a cut of
2: that. Yeah. I get the concern, but I also think that might even be the better way to go with this, just because there's so many implications, guys. When you talk about big money deals, you know, tax, uh, you know, how many 17 year olds understand about, you know, oh, well, I'm getting this as a, uh, as a, you know, independent contractor. So I've got to set aside, you know, 30% for taxes. Like th- there's not a lot of these kids having financial advisors at 17 and advising them on this stuff. So, you know, if it's, if it's the school's getting involved to get a hold of all that stuff, I get it. And if the school's going to take a cut, they're going to take a cut. But I got news for you. That's already happening out there. Like, there's an athlete, I won't say his name, but I reached out to him on social media to say, hey, you know, would you like, you know, would like to get you on the podcast, we'll pay you a little something. And, you know, he said, well, you got to go through my agent. And, uh, and uh, the agent happens to be one of the bigger-named agents out there. And I'm like, wait, how is this legal? The kid is a college athlete. And he's got an agent, and then I'm told, oh, the agent handles his marketing. And I'm like, oh, so when he becomes pro, you know, he's going to sign with a different agent? No, that agent's smart. He's getting ahead of it and saying, I'm going to be your agent for when you become a professional athlete, too. But I guarantee you that agent is right now getting a percentage of his marketing deals that he's signing. And so it's, it's already happening, and, and there's going to be people out there who take advantage of the kids um, man, it's just going to be crazy to see how this thing plays out. a was actually pretty smart. Uh, I should be clear when I say a and I don't mean A&M the school, A&M the fan base, uh, the collectives that they formed. They're pretty smart with some of these deals they've given the kids. Like they told one of the five-star recruits last, uh, recruiting cycle, we're going to give you $200,000. And rather than a lump sum of $200,000 up front, it's a $50,000 payout each year that the kid stays at A&M. So He'll get fifty thousand this year. He'll get fifty thousand in year two, and so on and so forth. That one actually makes sense to me because it's like, okay, you're rewarding the kid for coming to A and M. It keeps him, you know, staying put so he doesn't hit the transfer portal. And if he tra- hits the transfer portal, well, the deal is no longer on the table. So th- there are a lot of working cogs here, guys, that uh, we're going to see in the coming months to years. But no, I, I, I think the school's getting involved here is actually one that makes sense because. Again, I hate to sound hokey, but I do you know, think that we have to have the best interest of the kids at heart, and it's not about getting your big lottery check payday. Well, Chris, I will
0: say this, in just the time we've been talking, uh, according to NCAA.org, they just put out uh, name-image likeness guidance to, uh, to schools as a uh, definition would include collectives set up to funnel name-image likeness deals to prospective student-athletes or role student-athletes who might be considering transferring uh, NCAA recruiting rules, preclude boosters for recruiting and are providing benefits to prospective student-athletes. So there's one thing that's come down from the NCAA to try to keep third-party, uh, I guess, booster organizations from recruiting athletes dangling NIL deals out there.
2: Yeah, but come on, like, I get it. I know. who's going to enforce this? Like, the NCAA can put that out. Hey, here's our guideline. Yeah, great, NCAA, now go enforce it. And then what's the punishment if you break the rules? You know what I mean? So, that, like, that, that was the funny thing this whole time. Like, when I heard Jimbo Fisher on signing day saying, you know, this has nothing to do with NIL. This is our coaching staff. They just did a really good job. And I'm like, I get he has to say that because they put the stipulation in there that you're not allowed to use NIL with recruiting. But, again, plausible di- deniability. The coaches can go, we had nothing to do with this. What our boosters did on the side, that's all on them. And so – Look, it's still going to happen. The NCAA can can say whatever they want with this guidelines, but man, it's it, you know, it's still going to go on. It's still going to happen. I've had people say that to me this week, saying, "Look, this has always gone on." I saw the movie Blue Chips. I know how this thing works. So you know, now it's just a little bit more out in the open, and I get it. But there just has to be a little bit more transparency, and and we got to figure out, you know, the word student athlete. It's become a joke, and the word amateurism. It, these are professional athletes in a certain sense. You're going to be getting paid for your talents. You're becoming a a professional working person. That's another thing, too. Like, if I'm getting $100,000 in an NIL deal, am I an employee? You know, what's the tax code on that? There's all kinds of ramifications here.
1: And Chris, I mean, to that end, I mean, the one thing, the one thing that uh, let's call it what it is. I mean, I, I agree. There is no amateurism. Student athletes is what they put out there to kind of make, to kind of make sure that the, the, you know, the viewing public or the listening public is saying, oh yeah, they still, you know, student athletes. Well, if you put so much into getting them on campus, right? Some of that, is, and then you talk about how much money you give them. I think that this thing is gonna have to have more of a, more have, a, have an approach of more of a. It's an organization called NIL. It needs to have a headquarters on every single campus to where every single deal you can, you can monitor it. Because what happens is if I know what, if I know what everybody's doing as far as like an, a separate from the separate from like the head coaches and assistant coaches, that makes it so that, okay, we can answer some of these questions. Cause Chris, you know, just like I know, Man, these boosters, no, listen, it wasn't no rules for us back then. It ain't no rules for us right now. Because how are you going to monitor us? We the ones behind the scenes that make college athletics go, if we being honest about it. So how are you going to place restrictions on it now? How do you feel about having like an NIL on each campus to where you got an NIL like, you know, uh, like office to where every single deal and person has to come through here from a monitoring standpoint?
2: Yes, it's not a bad deal. And, you know, I, I think maybe at least start with the conferences and let the conferences set up. You know, the SEC is big enough that they can have their own offices, uh, you know, kind of uh, be the, the gatekeeper on all this stuff for the conference. But keep in mind, there's different rules for different states right now. I mean, the, the laws that were passed you know, up until a few months ago, there were still a, a couple of schools in the SEC that it wasn't legal in their state to do NIL. Um you know, there, there's different rules from the standpoint of LSU was one of the first schools to say, hey, if you sign in an NIL deal, you are allowed to use the school logo. And, your, you know, if you want to wear your uniform in, like, a commercial for, say, like, Raising Cane's, you can do that. Arkansas, you couldn't. Arkansas said you can go sign whatever you want, use your, use your name and, and your image, but you can't use the Arkansas logo or our colors. So there's just it, – it's – there's got to be some kind of gatekeeper. And again, it, the NCA's. I have zero faith in them to, to traffic or monitor this, but yeah, maybe you start with the conferences and say, have an office, you know, or, or a leg of, of each big conference, that's going to help regulate and, and monitor this kind of stuff. But man, I, my head is spinning on all the different rules and, you know, this state has this, but this state doesn't. And then again, who's going to, who's going to be the watchdog and, you know, who's going to come at somebody and say you're doing it the wrong way? And what's the punishment for that? So it's just there are so many things going here. And that's why I get Greg Sankey going up to, uh, you know, the federal government saying, hey, you know, is there, can there be some kind of guidelines here? Because the NCAA didn't give us anything. And they turn to Mark Emmert and he throws his hands up in the air and goes, oh, well, you know, we tried. Uh, I think Jimbo Fisher said it best last week. We did it backwards. We, instead of ready, aim, fire, we did ready – fire and now we're trying to aim the gun and you know, it's as everybody's already said the genie's out of the bottle and we're trying to figure out how to fix this thing.
0: Absolutely 50 sets of rules makes it very difficult, as you say. Chris Gordy, Locked on SEC Podcast, our guest Chris, appreciate it thanks much. Thanks guys Chris Gordy, joining us here, Locked on SEC Podcast, we've got more coming here at 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network We went way over there talking with Chris Gordy, but a lot of interesting stuff there. And again, this is going to be something that I think people talk about with every deal. Certainly, uh, Ben, we were, not, we were talking about this during the break. I mean, case in point, this comes out from the NCAA, and the, like the very next tweet I see on my Twitter feed is, marketing valuations for high school senior quarterbacks in the country. Arch Manning, $3.1 million worth in an NIL deal. It's like, the, the kid hasn't even played senior year of high school football yet, and you're saying, and again, I think he might be a special case because his last name is is Manning. But but nevertheless, there has been talk that, you know, where's Arch Manning going to go? It could be to where, you know, and this is not what people want. I think when it comes to name, it could just simply be who can offer him the most to say, Arch Manning, you come here, it's, you know, a million five in name image likeness right off the jump. Now, he might be one that you could make it a case for, like anyway, because again, His last name is Manning, and he plays quarterback. Like, I think some of those you can understand. But most of the other guys, most people have no idea who they are, right? I think uh, a lot of people, unless you follow recruiting closely, might not know, hey, oh, this cat's going to Clemson. Oh, yeah, what's his name? I don't know, but he got 700 k for a marketing deal. Really? What's his name? I don't know. You know, it's like, so, like, is that on the up and up? But, yeah, this is something I think that's why people want to keep watching it and see where does this thing go? Uh, in terms of how it affects recruiting on the field. Because mm-hmm. like I said, mm-hmm. when you start talking about Arch Manning, it's not where does he want to go. It could be who who hooks me up. Yeah. Right? And, 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 and I don't know if anybody wants it to be like that. And again, Ben, you said, look, see the movie Blue Chips. This stuff happens. I think people – I think That was, Al oh, jeers. And I think there's a, a a lot of people say, yeah, we understand that goes on. We don't like it being out in the open where it's so blatant. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, look at what we're doing now. You know, it's like it's, it's, it oh, just yeah, doesn't yeah, oh, feel right. Yeah. I so mean, I think that's. I
1: mean, isn't it ironic?
0: Right? Isn't ironic.
1: Do your that's cheating about, behind closed doors. Exactly. By, <laughs> the, by, the, by the time, by the time, by the time the 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 grandson and the nephew of the man of both Archie, Peyton, Eli coming to college, they can make money. Now, Arch Manning was probably going to be a highly sought after recruit no matter where he went. He's getting. He's got the best. He's got the best coaches in his family that he's ever gonna see. But think about what, but think about what evaluations do, Kevin. You know, Arch, Man, he's sitting there, you know, and he says, man, right now they say I'm worth like 3.5 million. And, you know, and, so now, if, you know, Kirby, Billy Napier, Brian, you know, uh, uh Nick Saban, uh, all of them coming into the paid manning, you know, the, the, the Manning uh, you know, household, they're saying, Man, you know what this school really is? Lane Kiffin. Yeah, Lane Kiffin that is. <laughs> uh, coach, how close can you, you get to that three point five when it comes to NIL? Like, <laughs> we don't really, because uh, it's a funny thing, right? It's a funny thing, right? If you're recruiting,
0: but what's funny? I mean, if you say that, but like Georgia right now would be one of the states where Kirby goes. I, I, you know, we're not allowed to facilitate NIL. Wink, wink. But Tennessee can walk right in there. And
1: go, oh, we'll do it for you.
0: No, we're oh, in school. Oh, we get oh, it oh, like oh, South oh, like the passing oh,
1: road. Here it is. Here it is. Somebody goes, Billy Napier, you know, head coach of Florida, has people on his staff that work NIL. Now, that's just to monitor what the what the what the players are getting. Who's to say that NIL guy? He's sitting at home. He goes, Hello, what's up, coach? I mean, you want to take you wanna take a flight with me? What's up? Go <laughs> to yeah, Louisiana. Go yeah. to Louisiana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go see this kid. Yeah, we're
0: gonna go down to New Orleans real and quick. They and... The
1: plane, yeah, and they get out the plane. and they get out the plane. All of a sudden, yo, like, that was oh, a quick you, flight, by the way. You know, Yes, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, quick, quick. You know the, these these new private jets, <laughs> they get right. I think I think what happens is, Kevin, it's like this: we as a view in public, we are we the consumers and fans and lovers of said college athletics. What we're really saying is this: Do we look crazy? Like, come on! Like, out of all now, that's the thing, right? Sometimes the wrong school had to work for them. Texas and m if, if it was Alabama, would not want to say the word. If it was do want to say Because of Texas a m would be like, yes, dude, we did it too well. Wow, we're going to be the number one. You know, Coach Thomas, we're going to be number one. Really? Go out there and do the press conference. Dang yep. it. <laughs> People are going to be asking questions don't like it. we got more
0: to come. Here's 3 and Out Southern the Big Skin Radio Network. Good to have you here, three and out, on this Monday. Braves off tonight. They got the Red Sox coming up tomorrow. We got a little basketball for you later tonight. Memphis and Golden State, 930. We'll have coverage for you later tonight. Braves and Red Sox will be back tomorrow in ATL. Ronald Acuna starting to warm up, Ben, and that is a good
1: thing for everybody to see. Ronald Acuna Jr., go out there and keep doing what you're doing, young man. Glad to have you back. Glad you're back, healthy. And Danby Swanson. No, glad, yeah. glad, glad glad to have you getting back as well. I mentioned, so.
0: I mentioned it earlier. People talking about Dansby. Dansby batting two forty two. Austin Riley got off to a great start, having a good year. Two forty three right now. So they are right there, uh, at least in batting average, next to one another. We'll see you tomorrow three and out.